we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a tie to Andrew John. Root streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Warramai and Wanarua lands, this is the Bay 53 podcast, part of the Sports Best Friend Podcasting Network, brought to you by A-plus Contracting and Polyrelding. Magic Round provided the only magic that mattered to Knights fans, a win after seven long weeks. Your Bay 53 boys were up in Brisbane for all three days at the NRL festival of footy that was Magic Round, and we're here to tell you all about it. So sit back and enjoy the number one Knights podcast amongst Panthers fans with your pals, <laughs> Bredo and the K-Dog. Mate, did you have a good weekend? Mate, I had a sensational weekend. Um, yeah, I'm feeling a bit worse where today. The voice is very croaky, but yeah, no. Nah. Um, had a great weekend. See, I'm all about lessons learned. And um, last year, I made the mistake of travelling back uh, on the Monday and going to work on the Tuesday. And I wasn't doing that this time. So, um, yeah, another big weekend up in Brisbane. And, um, you know, there were concerns about the weather. No, nothing doing. There was nothing that was going to dull our sparkle. No, as wet as Saturday was, you know, we still we still toughed it out for most of the day. It was, and, uh, and then Sunday the humidity was just terrific, wasn't it? Like my, I've never sweated so much in my life. Oh man, I was. Uh, it, it was funny on Saturday night because we sort of got to the um, the midpoint of the Panthers game and we just went. It, it's too much. It, the, the rain had finally broken us, and yet, as as you know, torrential as that was, you got like a minute into the game on Sunday, you're like, I'd go for some of that rain again. It was was just so hot and the sauna-like conditions that were just, you know, sucking your will to live. Uh, I I had nothing but the utmost sympathy for any player who had to um, play 80 minutes of rugby league in those conditions. So what, it's going to be interesting to see how Cronulla go. Obviously they played the 12 Absolutely. the week before last and they played the, the early game on Sunday. I mean, they've had a couple of tough physical weeks, and they're no, you know, no Finucane, who's, you know, who's their workhorse in the middle. And there are a lot of big boys. Yeah, not, if they come through and, you know, and still continue their nice form, that'll be a real feather in their cap, I think. Uh, it's it's the best opportunity the Titans will get to beat the Sharks this year, I think, off the back of, you know, playing it, uh, you know, a week, a bit of a week over a week ago with 11 men, uh, playing in those just you know, tropical conditions yesterday. And they're playing again um, on, an, on, a, on an afternoon game in Queensland next week. I think this next weekend is the best opportunity the Titans will have to get the W over a Sharks team this year. Yeah, for sure. And there's a reason why the Cowboys don't play at home during the day, because it's impossible. And, you know, mm. those conditions were, were very challengeable, like on Sunday. So, yeah, it's... Um, and then, yeah, you're right, they play day in Queensland again this week. Man, that's a tough three weeks for them. Uh, I think all things being equal... There was a lot that I sort of took from the Sharks game, probably more to do with us in terms of the more the season's gone on, 
you know, I've gone through my week where I've been more disappointed with our performance of the Sharks. This was one of those weeks where I was probably more impressed. I mean, you know, we were coming off the, the 53 minutes down to 12 men. Um, we had a six-day turnaround. We came up against an unbelievably fired-up Sharks. Um, you know, just seeing the way another team had to back up after, you know, playing f- for such an extended period down a man, albeit against the Warriors. Um, and I only say that in terms of compared to the, the Panthers. That's that's not a slide on the Warriors. Um yeah, I think I think what I my take from that is that I, I've moved on from wanting to be critical about our boys in that Sharks game. I think, you know, we we did well to come out of that only eighteen nil in the end. Yeah, you're right, and you know, and obviously we played our twelve men against the most physical team in the competition. Mm. You know, as I said, as players playing the Warriors, we also lost you know probably our hardest working forward in in Barnett in Sharks. You know, they lost a fullback, but you know. Fullback's not particularly hard to replace when you've got guys like Nico Hines in your team. Um, no, I, th- I think that that really puts that Sharks game in perspective. And it, pro- and it, it doesn't excuse the Manly game. Yes. But to me, it, it shows that, you know, the flatness can hold. Mm. And I think the Manly game, you know, I think the, the Cronulla game had sapped um, because Cronulla are a physical side. Till we played in tough, wet conditions that night. I really think them playing the wet conditions again the Thursday night, even though I was at home, was just too much for guys that are, you know, aren't mentally strong enough like our boys aren't yet. So I, I think the, no one is an excuse. You know, that Manly performance is still poor. But I think it does create a bit of perspective about it all. I think you and I, obviously, no, it's a no-excuses season. There's still explanations, though. Um, one of the things that we didn't get around to talking about last week was uh, I, I was, um, you know, Going into last week, going into Friday night's game, I, I just I needed something. You know, we were sitting at uh, we were sitting at two and seven, and I was just like, oh, this, this season is spiraling. Um, during the off season, you and I were very big on what we hoped the impact of Hayden Knowles would be. You know, one of the things that Knights fans love to um, highlight is our our lack of, um, or just our bad luck with injuries. And and so during the off season, we were like, well, is this the answer? You know, Hayden Knowles has got this history and reputation behind him of having fit teams, of having teams that stay on the park, um, is this finally the answer? Now, one of the things that off the back of that I did actually pick up on, and I went back and I was like, well, he had those two years, obviously high performance with with the Panthers going into their third. Um, They actually made the eight, I think, you know, pressing for top, four in 2018 but they fell off a cliff a little bit and came 10th in 2019 and so you know obviously a lot of teams start seasons quite poorly you know and they have poor seasons they don't necessarily go on to a grand final next year but you know if you're looking for something positive in terms of you know where we're coming where we're going this season you know i do think back to what you said about adam o'brien after round one these boys had one of the biggest off seasons they probably ever had He, he didn't expect them to come out that physical you know, we're sort of starting to see a little bit. Well, this is this is life under Hayden Knowles now. This is this is them acclimatizing to a new level of, of physicality. And yeah, ten seasons, uh, ten rounds into the season, they're sort of starting to feel that a bit as their body adjusts. Yeah, much I, like I, much I, like the Panthers did in twenty nineteen. Exactly. You know, there's definitely some truth in that. And um, you know, when we talked about when Bailey was injured, we talked in the preseason. You know, like. We thought, you know, three and seven was well within scope. You know, mm. not like three and seven 
but how it happened it was the surprise and we didn't obviously didn't think we'd lose seven in a row but we were never you know three I, I was sort of hoping if we were four and six at this stage i was pretty confident you know where we would be with our run home and bailey back and at the end of the day we're, we're two wins out of the eight you know if we can get guys back and, and as you said the body's going to adjust to this more intense workload that that hayden niles brings um and craig catterick another you know like he's he's doing a really good job as well um yeah, I, you know, I, I, I absolutely have not written this season off. As I said, we're two wins out of the eight. We've got the Broncos this week, which is tough because they're in good form. But if we can jag one this week, and then we've got the Warriors on a bye, man, gets us back in the hunt, doesn't it? My, um, my, I, no, I completely agree. My cousin, long-term follower of the team, he's been saying for the last eight weeks, you know, he goes, you know, winning fixes everything. And um, I, I, I probably subscribed a little bit to that on Friday night where um, where the full-time whistle went. We were finally ahead after 80 minutes. And just the relief that you sort of that you sort of felt at the end of it. But I, I think in a lot of ways Thor is correct is that, you know, winning does tend to, to fix everything because there are a lot of mistakes that we sort of made in that game and there are a lot of opportunities that we missed that we've made. We've repeated in a lot of t- games that we, you know, lost or got pummeled in, but we managed to find a way to sort of, um, you know, get the get the two competition points, which is ha- which has had a flow-on effect for Canterbury, they're now without a coach. But you sort of think to yourself, you know, what if the roles had been reversed? What if the dogs had come out of Friday night with their 16-6 to 6 win and we're, we're looking down the barrel of, you know, going into potentially nine losses in a row? Um, and, and that's why the 80 minutes matters so much. You know, that's why the final result matters because it could, it just can, it changes the entire com, um, complexion with which you're looking, you know, into the future, into the next game. Yeah, absolutely. Um and then that's and that's kind of the point, isn't it? You know, like we're such a we're such a young mentally a mentally young team. You know, we a lot of these guys aren't ready for NRL week in week out yet. And as the the um the losses piled up, the confidence just has gone. Like I've never seen a team as low in confidence as we were in those two games against uh, Parramatta and Melbourne. Like they were just yeah, the confidence was completely shot. Um. But what was really impressed me on Friday was we had those two, the there were tries that were then disallowed. A team low on confidence, and the Knights especially, only up by four in that situation, would just give up a ridiculous try, whether it's, you know, a lucky bounce or a bloody, you know, a six again that's a wrong call and they, you know, they, they get an overlap or something, you know, like they would give up and get beat 12-10. Yeah. But we, well, kept, we... we kept the ball down there. We did not give Canary a sniff for the last 10 minutes. So you, you and I, the, the disallowed try in the second half was four minutes into the half, and you and I looked at each other and you said, uh, well, that, that's the game. They'll drop their bundle now. Like, we, we anticipated that um, this is this is the point in the game where we're in with a shot, we're doing our best, you know, we, we've got a chance here, and in the end, something goes against us, and we were waiting for the Bulldogs to run up the other end and score, but it didn't happen. Yeah, and, you know, and when we scored, when we did eventually score, you know, KP hit the post. And we both looked at each other and went, oh, 10-6 is the worst possible score here. <laughs> you, know this, you know how this plays out. So, you know, like, um... All, oh, those, oh, all, I, those, all those flashbacks just kept hitting us, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And look, I I, I think um, all credit to the coaching staff. You know, there'd been a lot of pressure on them. And w- one of the things... 
I mean, this is obviously Adam O'Brien's longest losing streak in his uh, head coaching career. Um, he didn't suffer a three-game losing streak in 2020. He didn't suffer any worse than a three-game losing streak last year. You know, all of a sudden he comes up with these seven games. You know, that has the potential for a rookie coach to just continue spiralling out of out of a job. Um, credit to him to get him up against a team that we had to beat. Because make no mistake, sitting at the bottom of the table, failing to beat the second um, last team on the ladder, yeah, absolutely question marks need to would have um, started hovering around Adam Bryan as to whether he's the right man for the job. And he got he you know helped the team uh, helped the team get the result that they needed. Yeah, and you could see how much it meant to him because both mm. times when those tries come back, no tries. You could see him blowing up the lux, and then when Clooney went over, mm. he was nearly smashing the window in. You know, he, um, you know, and then and and because you're right, he, he was under pressure. We got rolled that game. He wouldn't have got sacked because he would have got this season complete season, and no, I don't doubt it. But certainly the questions would have been asked, and he would have been getting the Magic Maguire treatment, where every result, you know, is uh, analysed to a fine to a fine margin. Um, mm. No, I think I think it's a massive massive um, burden off his back as well as the players. I thought it was interesting during the week, hot off the rumours that Andrew Johns wasn't training us anymore. The Knights' uh, uh, social media team, who we've sort of, you know, we've given a pass uh, for this season. We think they can do a lot more. I thought it was a nice touch for them to have him in the background of one of the player photos saying, no, no, Joey is is still around. Mate, I um, I want to talk to you more about the, the Magic Round concept. I mean... Uh, we, we've had the third version of it. Uh, obviously, the first one was back in 2019. Huge success. Um, this year's crowd was bigger, total cumulative over the weekend, than last year's crowd. Um, obviously, Magic Round's here to stay. It's it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's in the calendar now for sure. Um now, where's it going, though? Is it, like, I think you and I both agree Brisbane is the venue. It's the place to be. Um, Caxton Street into Suncor Stadium just makes sense at, at this like, stage. It's, it's just so, like, Brisbane's so perfect. For it. The stadium's the perfect size. 50,000 is perfect. Um, like, I think Brisbane I think should, should always be in Brisbane. My only other thing would be whether maybe every five years you took it somewhere else. And I don't mean Sydney. I mean actually somewhere else. Okay, and so when just, you... When you say somewhere else, are you talking expansion or are you talking sort of, I mean, we like to take the big the big occasions to Melbourne. Is it something? Because yeah, I think, you know, Melbourne get a crack. Like, that's the I would prefer that go somewhere every five years than an Origin game, game go somewhere every year. Yeah. I, um, I think Melbourne would be ideal. I, I think if you've ever spent a weekend in Melbourne, that is a city that's just built for the big sporting occasion. Like, I think they have about three or four games at the MCG almost every weekend, and it's easy. And the uh, Amy Park is is right in that precinct, so it's so easy to get to. Um, I did hear some. I will say one thing. I will say about Melbourne, and you know, obviously it's so AFL centric. Mm. The, the NRL are too dumb for this. I'll screw this up. <laughs> but they did, if they did it on one of the AFL bye weeks when there's maybe one or two games in Melbourne for that weekend, that's mm. the weekend to do it. You yeah, don't absolutely. want to be doing it when there's two games in Melbourne every day. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not for any other reason then. It'll just get swallowed up. Mate, Sydney's been sort of, I don't know, 
poo-pooed a fair bit and the idea that it that it can't host it. Um, I, as I said, I, I'm absolutely with you. I think this should be a Brisbane primarily fixture with the odd one here or there maybe going elsewhere. Um, but I think with the new stadium that they're building over the Sydney Football Stadium and, you know, the the sort of makeup that they're uh, that we're hearing about that, obviously, you know, you probably don't have that Caxton Street style hospitality, you know, within the direct vicinity. But it's not like you need to um, get on a, a bloody overnight um uh air flight to to get to a pub or anything like there are still good venues around um i think people are selling sydney a little bit short on that um on that regard so i, I don't know i'm in two minds about that like i, I agree with it like the stadium's perfect there are pubs around but you know what i don't think i don't think those pubs embrace rugby league yeah there's a lot of the, a lot of those pubs if you go in there even when there's a game at the football stadium they'll have rugby on they'll have the swans on you know yeah. i don't think it's like Brisbane, where every pub you go, in, go into is welcome Magic Round visitors, you know, the footy merchant um, memorabilia, as far as you can see, you know, those pubs do rugby league all the time. Mm. They've been doing it for decades with Oregon and stuff. I don't think the Sydney pubs, well, especially ones around the SCG, you know, because let's face it, they're yuppie wankers. <laughs> are, um, <laughs> hello to uh, all of our Sydney fans. Hello, you know, but you are. Um, <laughs> Except, except that mate, Thor is fantastic. Um, but no, like I just, I, I don't think Sydney would embrace it like Brisbane has, and I don't think it helps the game in terms of there's, you know, it's going to bring no new fans. Yeah, I don't, I don't think a lot of Queenslanders will come down for it. I think it'll just be Sydney people and just have other people going to it. And does that really help the game? The grand final does that already, I think. Uh, look, it's like someone said, you know, have Magic Round in Sydney so that instead of going, instead of not going to five games, you won't go to eight games instead. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you, maybe you can do that, but, you, you know, you can have – yeah, because Sydney, there's plenty of weekends where Sydney has four games. Mm. Maybe you can just do that where you have two two game, two days or two games at the same venue. Mm. You know, like, I think that would be a better concept than doing an entire Magic Round in Sydney. I think one of the things that I like about Magic Round, just as a concept in general, is that, and this is going to sound quite ironic considering some of the most brutal uh, and um, violent crowd footage um, I've ever seen in my life uh, happen on Friday night. But that aside, uh, the friendly atmosphere that seems to generate from the occasion, uh, it's its just always good fun. Everybody all of a sudden becomes your best mate. Just remember, well, this is still a great game and we're all here for the same reason. Yeah, you're right. As I was, you know, that, yeah, that was horrific on Friday night. But I've said many times, you know, like all the times I've been in Magic Round previously and I've been to all the others, I'd never seen a scuffle. Mm. I'm sure they've happened, but, you know, but people, people are just friendly. People are just having a good time. You know, people are blind, blotto drunk, and, I, you know, there's no issues in the streets. I know plenty of places, especially in Sydney, where, you know, crowds like that will get real nasty real quick. I had um, – I think it's the pe- some of the people you meet on Twitter as well. I had, a, had an opportunity to run into uh, um, at North Coast Eels on, um, on Saturday – sorry, Sunday as I was leaving – 
And um, you know, it's, it's sort of nice to put a nice, uh, sorry, a face to the name. You know, this uh, sort of Twitter handle that this anonymous person, as it were, and getting to know them a little bit better. And that was certainly our experience last year. Um, yeah, it's actually just a really great occasion to bring people together. And uh, yeah, it's it's one of the things that the Super League in, has introduced to to the NRL that I'm very glad that they sort of took on board. And um, I'm glad that the NRL are running it so well because that's two years in a row we've been. Um, and it's just been a, you know, a smooth occasion all round. Yeah, you're right. And I think, you know, a lot of credit for that to be the Queensland government and the Brisbane Council too, you know. Mm. They do a great job of promoting the event. They do a great job of hosting the event. The Brisbane Council are all over, you know, the police are, you know, in the streets blocking the right roads, directing, directing you know, the people coming out of the ground. Suncorp's obviously used to huge crowds because they've done it for decades. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's just a well-run event. It really is a well-run event. Um, even like my hotel, like um, Saturday, with the, how the weather was, when I when I, we got back to the hotel soaking wet, you know, like there was mats and all that out, and there were some towels there to go you know, to dry off, and you know, like people just know it's it's a it's a citywide occasion. Yeah, it was great. I still maintain Suncorp Stadium is the best stadium I've ever been to in the world. I I don't know how, and I'm reliably informed that um, the new Parramatta. Uh, Combank Stadium was built along those lines. It just doesn't. It doesn't matter whether there's ten. I've only ever been there when it's it's almost packed out. But it does. It doesn't matter if there's only ten thousand people. It doesn't matter if there's fifty two thousand people. The noise, the acoustics in that place, the noise that it generates. It's just. It's always a, a sound that just hits you in the face. And um, yeah, I I love going there. Um, already looking forward to um, to next year's occasion. Yeah, and you know, I imagine the new football stadium is going to be fantastic too, because the whole thing has been designed around, you know, it's going to be a very similar atmosphere, whether it's fifty thousand or ten thousand. Mm. You know, the whole stadium's been designed around that. So I, I think that you know, the the cavernous emptiness of um, ANZ or a core, whatever it is now, you know, is is a thing of the past. These stadiums are all being built to be able to handle the small occasion and the big occasion. Finally, the three and a half thousand fans that attend Roosters games will be heard. <laughs> Newcastle are the premiers. Mate, I um I want to have a because we obviously want to do a big um uh, episode tonight. We're sort of um you know Knights have got another Thursday night game. We're fresh off Magic Round. We we really just wanted to use this as an opportunity to talk about as much footy as we can because um you know it really does seem to all be happening at the moment. Um. Adam Reynolds, is he the man to deliver the Brisbane Broncos to that long-awaited premiership that they have not yet achieved uh, again since 2006? He seems to be in a rich vein of form. And can I just say, before you do sort of jump onto them, I do get the feeling that I'm saying this about a lot of players this year. I know I said <laughs> it about Cam Munster, but I the way Adam Reynolds is playing, and I, I absolutely mean it, I did not realise he had this in him. I, I, don't th- I think this is the best form I've ever seen him in his career. I agree with that, but no, Adam Reynolds won't deliver a premiership because they won't win it this year and they won't win it next year. And by then, he's going to be well into his 30s. And, you know, I'm, I've always been of the belief and sounds clear of the belief that he had one or two really good years left in him. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that'll improve Brisbane greatly. And that might then create the next generation of Broncos premiership players. Yep. But I don't think Adam Reynolds will be around when they actually do get to it. What he has done is he's really helped the development of a lot of the young players. Um, 
like guys like Selwyn Cobbo and all that, you know, like their confidence is going through the roof at the moment because Adam Reynolds is delivering them tries. Like Selwyn Cobbo, two of his tries purely on how good Adam Reynolds is, is placing a cross field kick. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I think that's Adam, what will be Adam Reynolds' contribution to Brisbane winning a premiership, that he'll, the development of those young players will be accelerated now, whether they've been, you know, muddling the last few years and some even going backwards. Um, I really do think that he'll um, he'll drive them forward. But no, I don't I don't think they're in the elite tier, and I don't think they'll be in the elite tier next year. Um, but no, they're 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 really good. The Broncos are really good to watch, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, and 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 I said I, people bag South, but I think South are absolutely right. He was always going to be good this year, and South knew that. That's why they wanted to keep him. Mm. It was the next few years they were worried about, and that's you know, t- waiting to be seen. I know this is going to sound like I'm trying to be a bit middle of the fence, sorry, <laughs> middle of the road sitting on the fence with this, uh, and you know me quite well to know that I hate doing that. I get the feeling that this outcome is something that's potentially going to work out well for both Souths and Brisbane. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because Brisbane needed, they needed that marquee half, as you said, to come in and lift standards and give that direction. And, you know, we want that win now mentality where we just need that that extra piece in the puzzle that can make, might help us kick on. Whereas Souths was, were always like, it's the first year of Dimitriou. We don't really know what's happened. Ideally, we'll have Reynolds there. But if we don't, you know, we've got um, Cody Walker. We've got Luttrell. We, you know, we've got that first year of a rookie coach where we might be able to develop our our half I think next year is really going to be the year that tells who got the better out of the out of the Adam Reynolds move um because I I just think 10 rounds into you know his Brisbane career it's probably a little bit too early to tell oh yeah I definitely agree and 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 South knew this like South even though they made the grand final last year South knew their premiership window was shutting fast yes um so they so they took the decision yeah we want Adam next year, but we don't want him in the future because not only we don't think we don't know whether he's going to be able to keep going so well in the future. We need to know who our next halfback is because Cody's not young either. So they no, play- this, you pointed this out to me. So he's older than Reynolds. Yeah, he didn't start playing first grade. He was twenty six. You know, so um, so yeah, Cody. You know, Cody's got you know probably two or three years left him at the most. Um, that's the thing. South need to start developing their halfbacks if they have um, Reynolds and Cody both together the next two years. Don't win a premiership, they will literally be going, you know, bottom of the rung rebuild because none of the young guys would have had a shot. Yeah. Um. So the South, this is what South knew was coming, and you're right, a new coach, and they knew with guys like Trell and that, and Trell hasn't played much this year, which has obviously hurt them. But they knew that aside there, they would stay competitive, and even without, you know, their two best players in the weekend, Trell or Cam Murray, they still, you know, they even though you don't get close to the end, they were still well better than the Warriors mm. for most of that game. Um, and I'm, I still maintain they'll, they'll finish at the bottom half of the eight this year and may make the finals. Um, but this nice, this, 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 and Brisbane absolutely needed someone like Adam Reynolds. They needed a name to draw the fans back, which is slowly happening. They needed a name to help the young guys, and they needed someone that can just make the Brisbane Broncos feel like the Brisbane Broncos. You know, a winner, and Adam Reynolds is a winner. At the other end of the scale on Friday night, or the other end of the spectrum, sorry. Um, no team, I think, has probably fallen off a cliff in between weeks, and I include our team in that, as much as Manly did. They were awful on Friday night, like just just abysmally awful. They were directionless. They had no ticker. They had no sort of um, 
no substance to them. Where, where you predicted at the beginning of the season that Manly were going to um, miss the eight, that they were the team that was going to fall out. You must have felt very vindicated on Friday night in a lot of ways. This is this is exactly what I thought about Manly. I thought Turbo and DCE the way they played last year makes makes them really good. But the 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 DCE are, are waning. You know he's played a lot of games now. And he's, you know, his form's been up and down this year. He's, play, he's been playing like an old player, trying his guts out, really, mm. really, really playing tough football. But his form's been up and down. Um, Turbo clearly still injured, and without him, without him being the world's greatest ever player, they're not very. <laughs> they're not which he was last year. Like last year might mm, be the yeah. greatest, you know, one of the greatest two or three seasons ever played. Yep. You know, the rules wind back to you know hurt him a little bit, hurt the whole style a little bit, and their forward pack is hot garbage. Absolute yeah. hot. Like they've got no hooker. Lachlan Crooker, you know, is he's he's not even you know the Chad standard. You know, I'd play the Chad <laughs> over over, uh, over Lachlan Crooker. Marty Tapao's spent. Their their other props are all bench props at best. You know, they've got Olakawatu who's great, but their other side, you know, Schuster is that guy, but he doesn't want to play there. He's in, you know, he's injured all the time because he's not built to play in the forwards. He's a he's a five eighth mm. foreign. Is foreign, you know, some great, some weeks he's great, some weeks he's not. Their outside backs looked great last year because Turbo kept putting them over for tries, but they're all hot garbage. Ruben Garrick's a solid enough footballer, but he's not. He's not the Ruben Garrick we saw last year where, you know, he was challenging NRL all-time records. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I looked at their roster side and we went, unless Turbo is lights out again, that roster is awful. And it is. It's absolutely awful. Mate, and, and, with, and with Turbo, and, and I'll tell you this now, and I know this from a super, super catch perspective, but it plays out in rural NRL too. Turbo in the wet is not good. He's just no. not. I don't know why it is, because it's not like, you know, it's not like he's all about slick handling and that. He's about, you know, beating a man and stuff. But I don't know whether it's the hamstrings, the, he, he's a bit timid or whatever, but he's just not good in, in wet conditions. Mate, the player that I want to sort of put the spotlight on, and this will probably be even an unpopular one with the, you know, the one manly fan who might end up listening to this, um, Jake Tabojevic. Now, he does – he's one of the more popular characters and he's a great personality and I think he's a great character for the game. But this is a guy who contributed 58 running, meet, running metres and 50 tackles um, to the cause on – Friday night. Now, 50 tackles, obviously, monumental effort. You know, the Broncos were running rampant. Um, they had the, um, you know, they they but they still ran up a score. You've got a guy who's contributing 50 tackles to, to your defence. You're like, we need something more in attack as well, mate. Whatever limited opportunity you might be doing. And I just, I just don't think that Jake Tabojevic is really doing much in that lock position, particularly in the in this day and age, in this modern game that sort of um, justifies his role in the you know in what in terms of what he offers to that manly team certainly not from an origin perspective oh he'll get picked for origin and it's, it's a travesty because he's he not, shouldn't he, he shouldn't even be considered for it you know like he the problem with he's he makes a lot of tackles but he and his, his technique is great but it does not suit the modern style of football you know he tackles guys around the hips and all that and they get up and play the ball fast mm. you know um the Chad's the same, you know. He's got a really good tackling technique, but it doesn't suit the PVL rules. Guys are allowed to get hit, hit guys really well around the hips, but they're allowed to get straight up and play the ball fast. You know, Jerbo's uh, got the same thing. He offers nothing in attack anymore because he, he, well, he won't run the, run the ball, and I don't know whether it's Dez or whatever, but he won't run the ball. He always passes before the line, and teams just know what he does now. Even the inside ball to Turbo doesn't even work anymore. Yeah. It's um. 
Yeah, and yeah, when they're paying him, you know, eight or nine hundred thousand dollars. They're paying so, you're paying they're, pay, they're paying basically three million or over three million for turbo gerbo and DCE. Yeah. And they're probably getting about a million and a half worth of value out of that. Now, yeah. you throw on top of that, they're giving money to pay another six or seven hundred and they're getting, you know, not even reserve grade standard out of him. It doesn't doesn't take Einstein to work out why they're struggling. Yeah. Um, they're coming up against the Neils team. Will be hurting after a, you know, probably an unexpected loss uh, at Magic Round. Um, I think that one's at Combank Stadium as well. Um, yeah, it's sort of, you know, I, I mean, the, the the Sea Eagles are five and five at this stage of the season, but it's easy to forget. It's it's that it's that Newcastle win that actually is the difference between them and us at the moment. Because if they lose that, mm. they got the same record as we did, and they sort of they got us at a good time. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a very interesting time in the season um, for the Sea Eagles at the moment. And you've got to remember that Magic Round game is a is a game that they get to play at Brookie. So even though yeah, you, you know so they've played quite a few games home in inverted commas games. Um, yeah, I think they're in real trouble, mainly of an Origin period coming up. We know they never back up Turbo because it's just too big a risk. Mm. Yeah, you know, last year they were flying going into Origin, so they, you know, even though they lost a few, they were still able to pick up a win or two here and there over the Origin yeah. period, and that kept their momentum going. Whereas this year they're going into in a slump. Like, yeah, I, I really could see them coming out of the back end of Origin being well out of the eight. Mate, um, cracking uh, Saturday afternoon game between the Rabbitohs and the Warriors. It, it, it finished, uh, you know, thirty-two to thirty to the Rabbitohs in the end. Um, but it was a game that was really only that close in the last uh, in the last 10, 10 minutes. For the first seventy minutes of the game, you always felt like the Rabbitohs had this one in the bag. What happened? Um, yeah, it's just the Warriors, isn't it? Absolutely, oh, absolutely. No, I think like um, I think the, the Souths as well. Uh, I think they got to the fifty-minute mark and they decided, look, it's it's wet conditions. We've got this one, this game one. Um, we've got the two points that we need. Play conservative footy so that we can get to the end. Um, you know, with minimal injuries, and then yeah, all of a sudden the Warriors just started playing Warriors football. And I think you know, no Ken Murray being able to play hurts them because it, it affects their middle rotation. So the the guys were in the middle playing a lot of the bigger minutes. Jacob Host went off in the first setting first set of the game, so they were one shot on the bench pretty much the entire game. Mm. So I think they just got tired. You know, like you've you've lost Cam Murray seventy minutes. You've lost Jacob Host, who probably would have played eighty on the edge. You know, a lot of those guys played more minutes than they used to. In t- even though it was wet, it was still steamy hot um, conditions. So, yeah, I think they just ran out a bit of gas gas late. And as you said, yeah, they thought they were home and put the queue in the rack. Mate, can I ask you something? Are the Warriors finally tired of not being at home anymore? Like one of the things that you and I sort of pointed out in 2020 and, and to a certain extent last year as well is that, you know, yes, it's not ideal playing. It's absolutely not ideal playing away from your family week in, week out. And anybody who's done any work where you have to be away from your family for, you know, any anywhere from two two days to um, beyond, it's it's absolutely not easy, and it is absolutely um, not something you want to do long term. One of the things that we still did point out are those that they're not doing that international travel. But is that something that's starting to catch up with them now? They sort of reached a point where, well, look, we've got our families here. We are in it, but we're not home. We're, we're just we're a bit I, I, over. I don't think it's that. I, I think the minds have switched back to we're going home soon. Yeah. You know, they've lost a bit of focus. Yeah. Um, and, and people think, oh, they're going back to New Zealand. I'll be so excited to play. They're going to tear, tear the game apart. 
but honestly, I don't think that's going to be the case. You know, the first game or two, you know, the novelty factor. But I'm really worried they're going to go home to New Zealand and just think that the crowd's going to win them games. Mm. And the Warriors are like the Knights. Like when, when the big occasion is there, like we have many big occasions at home. If we had, you know, the, the Alex McKinnon game, there's so many big occasions where the Knights should win and they don't. And I think the Warriors are exactly the same. Um, I'm sort of trying to tiptoe around. I, I think anyone who listens to us will not have to, you know, hear us repeat ourselves in terms of what we think of that team and the way they're coached. So I am sort of trying to tiptoe around that. But if you are the coach, how do you manage this? Like, how do you manage this situation in terms of it's such a unique set of circumstances? What it, it put your if, if Bredo, you know, Bredo Shank is the coach of the Warriors at the moment. What are you doing to say to those players, this is how I get you up this week until we go home, and then when we go home, this is what we need. I need to do to get you up for our, for our home games as well. What's the what's the mentality that you take as a coach to um, get those players game ready week in and week out? See, I try to get the guys to buy into the fact that we're trying to build momentum for when we get home. So I'm trying to sell them to a point that if we can just keep our season on track and, you know, and be 50-50 when we get home, that's where we, you know, we can put the foot down. Mm. I just don't think the players actually believe that. Does that make sense? Can you make them believe it? No, I, mean, I, don't, could... I, don't, I don't think you can. And that's, and that's what I think is overrated in rugby league. People think the coach can motivate players. Yeah. And they can a, a, a few weeks a year, but it can't be consistent. Like Wayne Bennett always says, you get two or three times a year where you get the absolute test strips off them at halftime. And if you do any more than that, it's just blowing wind into the air. Rugby league players, rugby league's such a physical, physically tough game, the motivation has to come from within. Yeah. And that's, so why, that's, why, that's why when people talk about um, Adam O'Brien in terms of, well, you know, he comes out and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get fired up in the press conference and all that stuff because he's been around Craig Bellamy. Like, he know, and we all think Craig Bellamy's a lunatic. But Craig Bellamy is a lunatic in the box when the players can't see him. <laughs> most of the time, most of the time at half time, you'll see him. He's very calm. He's very collected. His assistant coaches are doing a lot of the talking. I, and I'm a Liverpool fan, and Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp is this emotional roller coaster guy. But all the all the Liverpool players talk about at half time. You would think he was the world's most boring man because you'll say twenty words and then stand there and watch while the assistant coaches talk because they know that their work comes during the week. Game, game day is about self-motivation. Warriors have got the Dragons next week. That's going to be, you know, they're both yeah. coming That they're both coming off heartbreaking losses. Um, Where's that at, mate? Yeah, that's a very good question. That's the type of information that you'd expect <laughs> me to have at the ready as we're um, going to air because you do know me. I am a details-based kind of guy, so I can very reliably tell you if I can find the fucking game that the Dragons are hosting that on Saturday afternoon. Um, so, yeah, you'd sort of think advantage um, Saints in that situation. But, it, you know... The, the Warriors have been around now for going on 30 years, and in a lot of ways, they're a lot like us. You can change the, the coaches, the personnel, the structure, but they still play Warriors football, which is that we might not show up for 65 minutes, but when we do show up, you better make sure you're still switched on because we've still got time to take it from you. And uh, it, as a fan, that would be an infuriating, just an infuriating team to be watching all the time. On a slight tangent, 
the Titans are the new Warriors. The Titans are exactly the same as the as the Warriors in that they play football and they want to play football. The Warriors yeah. have been like that for their entire existence. That's the difference. Um, yeah, the that I don't I don't know why I don't know what like everyone just assumed when the Warriors come to the competition that within ten years they would just be dominant. They've been nearly at thirty years now and they haven't won a competition. Well, they're they're called, far, and they're as far away from it as they've ever been. They're called the New Zealand Warriors. I mean, they, they were they were the Auckland Warriors, but I think the idea was that they were going to tap into all of the all of the New Zealand the New Zealand talent. And Newcastle will tell you you can have a big region that loves the game, but that's never the guarantee that it's going to funnel into seventeen premium first graders week in week out that will deliver you to a to a competition to a premiership. It takes it just takes more than um, having a, a widespread love. Um, of the game and those resources. And the other problem the Warriors had was they created this interest in rugby league in New Zealand, but then they weren't good enough to capitalise in terms of if they if they had really quick success, all those guys would have wanted nothing to play for the Warriors. Mm. But because they become a bit of a basket case, it means all the other good, big clubs come in and just raid the New Zealand talent, you know, and that's continued as, as it is if the Warriors didn't exist. Uh, there's teams in Australia that have got as many Kiwis in their team as the Warriors do. I am reliably informed that the Warriors are the biggest brand uh, club brand in New Zealand, and I think oh, in a lot that have to be. And I think in a lot of ways that actually works against them, because and again it, it it'd be that Newcastle mentality. We're big, and there's there's almost that mistake you make where you think, well, success will be a corollary of it, but. No, being big is what gives you that opportunity, but you as the individual player still need to take that opportunity to its fullest extent so that you can win a premiership. The things that the thing they've never done right for mine in New Zealand is they haven't like they, they raid rugby for, you know, some good young talented kids and they can offer um, you know, more money at the lower levels than, than rugby can, but they've never been able to get into the schools. Yeah. So all the all the all the bigger schools all are all still purely one hundred percent union. Mm. So it's it's hard it's hard to start developing kids at sixteen and seventeen. If you don't know. Yep. About. Yep. Not, yeah, they they don't get enough talent at at twelve and thirteen. Um, I think that's that's a huge issue for them. But in terms of sustainable success, the only way the way the Warriors can be, you know. A consistent premiership contender is to constantly get the best New Zealand talent, and they don't. Because when the New Zealand Test teams pick this year, how do you reckon? Well, how many Warriors do you think will make it? Yeah, four not or four, many. maybe. Yeah, and that's, what, know, and that's back, what the, back in the day it used to be, you know, thirteen or fourteen. Correct, and that's what you think about the great Broncos teams of the nineties, and you know, it's just not the case anymore. They were filling up the Queensland team. They were getting more than their fair share of Australian representatives. Um, because they were utilising that area so well to get a, a premier um, first-grade team running around every weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mate, from the excitement of um, Saturday afternoon to one of the worst games of rugby league I've ever witnessed in my entire life, it was almost proof that God exists enough to hate you that he dragged this game into extra time. Um, the Titans somehow, I don't know how, managed to win this game over the Dragons with even a try that they sort of tried to overturn because they just wanted to extend the agony. Um, Titans 20, Dragons 16. 
Um, yes, I'm a Knights fan saying this. I don't really care. That was god-awful from both teams on Saturday night. They genuinely were playing like they wanted to be on the bottom of the ladder beneath even the Bulldogs. It, I just... I just, I just still can't comprehend that game, having sat there and watched it live. I just think it comes down to they're both badly coached. Oh, absolutely. You know, oh, you know, absolutely. For all the people that think that, that would saying that we should, that Holbrook was the uh, the choice of O'Brien Holbrook, we got it wrong. It should have been Holbrook. My goodness, mm. that man can't coach because they because they've got no structure for a team with with the talent like Toby Sexton. You know, I don't rate him particularly. Everyone in Queensland thinks, you know, he's a star. So you've got your young star at halfback. You've got AJ Brimson, who's an origin standard player at 5'8". You've got Jaden Campbell, who's the most exciting young fullback in the competition. You, David Tafita, they didn't have the weekend, but they would normally have them and use him anyway. They've got, <laughs> you know, they, they've got Bo Firma, who I think is a future origin player. You know, we saw Absolutely. that in the Knights. But they just play dog awful football, like mm. awful. And then, part of the fact they've got no hooker. But but I also blame Justin Holbrook for that. I know they tried to get hookers, but they didn't. You know, they needed to get a hooker. They needed to do mm. whatever they, whatever it took to get themselves a hooker. Mm. Like it's just with three. So so he's been with the Titans as long as Adam O'Brien has been with the Knights. So he's going into his. This is his third season now. Um, he obviously had last year's finals and he had campaign. Yeah, the first night interviewed. I think so he was the first one we interviewed. Is that right? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he was the young coach. Yeah, he was the first one I got an interview. See, I always had my concerns about Holbrook. You know, just more from a sort of uh, a rhythmical perspective. I was like, no, 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 no. We've done the bring in a Super League yeah. coach to take over an NRL team, and look where that got us four years and later. So he'd already had NRL experience. That's yeah, that's ex- well, yeah, true. But I, I just, I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to go to that that well again. Um, and then, how many, how many guys have gone from England to being successful coaches in Australia? Yeah, not many. It's okay. a step up again. Although Kevy Walters is doing his best to buck the trend at the moment. Oh, Kevin, okay, the difference is Adam Reynolds is that coach. Adam Reynolds runs that side. Everyone knows it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The Titans got the win in the end, despite their best efforts. I mean, there were some of the worst um, field goal attempts we'd seen, and you've got to, you've got to take bear in mind that Joe Arrow had, thought he had the uh, a grasp on that um, on that title for the year. I mean, where, where do where do either of these teams sort of go after this? That, that, and to be honest, that actually was a game that the Dragons should have won quite easily. Um, you know, you've sort of pointed out the Titans had the talent, but they just didn't have any structure whatsoever on the day that said to you, yeah, we're going to utilise that talent. The Dragons, you know, they were 16, um, 16 to 10 up uh, going into the last minutes of the game and they let it slip from their clutches. Um, wh- where are either of these teams going? I mean, if you're the Newcastle Knights, I, I appreciate that we're the 14th best team at the moment, but surely we're looking at those teams going, well, we should be able to play better than that. Absolutely. If we don't finish above both those teams, we failed this year. Like, I know mm. that Dragon just beat us down there in the middle of our slump, but if we don't finish above both those teams, we're going, we're, you know, we've had an awful, awful year there, ordinary. And I'll tell you the difference between the two teams, Jaden Campbell against Tyrell Sloan. Absolutely. Great young um, indigenous fullbacks on either side. And Campbell was one of the best players on the field. Mm. And Sloan was one of the worst. And that, that was the difference in the game for mine. I sort of feel a bit for Tyrell Sloan because he was a late inclusion, wasn't he? Yeah, so, and that's hook sort. You're right. 
And the reason why he was struggling for confidence is because his, co- his coach has shown him none. Correct. Yeah. And you and I have always said, you know, one of the best things, the, the two best coaches at the moment, and, you know, probably Trent Robinson as well, to, to give him his fair share of credit. Those are coaches who do their best to get the best out of their best players. And if you're not doing that, then it, you can have all the tactical sort of um, tactical ideas in the world. It's not going to make a lick of difference. And at the moment, if I was a young um, uh, player at uh, at the Dragons, I'd be looking at Hook, just going, I, "I've got I've got zero confidence that you have any faith in my ability." Yeah, and and, and it'll cost him because if he sticks around, I guarantee you, some of those young guns are going to leave. And rightly so. Why would you? Why would you stay? Like, there's no doubt if he if, if hooks around. I don't know how long Tyro Sloan's signed for. Probably another year or two. But I've no doubt if hooks around for another year or two, Tyro Sloan's out the door. Mm. Why, why would you stay, mate? From um, from the depths of despair that 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 game sort of came to offer, we went to the much highly anticipated top of the table clash. Um, Jerome Hughes was a was a late out. The son of Wishart was um, thrust into the limelight and given a starting role in fullback, which you and I will talk about at great length shortly. Uh, the long and short of it, and I know I know Melbourne had a couple out, which we'll, we'll also talk to in, in great detail, but the long and short of it were the Storm just off their game or is Penrith just that good at the moment? I think Penrith... Clearly, you're better than Melbourne. I don't think that game is the reason why. I think the Penrith, like Penrith, are just better than Melbourne. I think mm. Melbourne played poorly on on uh, Saturday night, no doubt about that. And yeah, they're missing two of their two of their key spine players. But that's not the example of why Penrith are better than Melbourne. Penrith are better than Melbourne because they're better across the park. Yes. Penrith have got the, you know, and and all the all the great players Melbourne have got, Penrith can match them. Yeah, you know, Pappy and Edwards, all that stuff. But, you know, Cleary is better than Munster and as great as Munster is. Luai is, and and uh, Hughes, and at least on the same level, I would lean to Luai being slightly better. The Penrith forward pack's clearly better. Mm. The one area that uh, Melbourne have is in the hooker spot, which, you know, which Appy's more than serviceable for Penrith. Um, I just think Penrith are better. As I said to you on Saturday night after the game, I said I think it's Pen- the only way Penrith don't win the premiership is if they have an off day and go a final day. Yeah. They're, they're lengths ahead of the rest of the competition. And Melbourne are lengths ahead of third. Yeah. And, we're, you know, we're looking at a team, I think, that has lost as many games in the last three years as we have this season. Like, the Panthers are just – this is that this is that once-in-a-generation once team where you just sit back and you go, look, they're, they're great. They are a great team. They are, they're clicking at the moment. They're fit. They're firing. They've got this clear bond – um, and and you know, you know, as Ben would say, they've got this clear cohesion that they just they they know what everyone's doing. Isaiah Yo Yo has just gone from strength to strength in terms of his role as a hooker. Like there's some uh, sorry, his role as a, as a lock. There are sometimes when he's passing the ball, and oh, you know, I, I wouldn't have even I think maybe Andrew Johns as well. But there are some things he's doing. He's think he could he actually could do it with his eyes closed. And he's sort of, um, you know, he doesn't need his vision to do it. Like he's just, he's so switched on and clicked in to what he's doing that he could shut his eyes and he'd still get the same result. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then that's, that's uh, to me, that's the difference between Melbourne and Penrith. Like I think Penrith are like Melbourne used to be where 
they could plug anyone into any spot and the, and nothing would change. Mm. I don't think Melbourne are that anymore. I think Penrith no. are that. You know, and, and Isaiah Yo is a big part of that. And um, and they showed, you know, they were still undefeated without Cleary because Sean O'Sullivan's not great, but he did what they needed him to do. And the other guys, they knew what extra role they had to pick up, you know, the fact that Cleary wasn't playing. Um, no, I'd, I've real, real thoughts that this Penrith team might be like all-time great in terms of, you know, they might win five premierships in eight years or something like that. Well, they're cert- I mean, they've certainly got the, the structures and the development and just the depth to do it. Like, you know, they lost um, they lost uh, Matt Burton and everyone thought, oh, well, that's going to... But no, they've, they've still got their centre pairings covered and um, and Isaac Targo is is doing a tremendous job this year. And Steve, everybody seemed to forget that Stephen Crichton is an Origin Calibre grand final winning um, centre. They, you know, their back line is just so steady and so dominant. And as you said, their forwards are unrelenting. Like you sort of like you because you and I were sitting on the eastern grandstand, um, a few rows from the, the the front, and during that first half when they were just loading the points on, how do you, how do I describe it? Because every player sort of walked back into their position, focused and switched on, but there was just this methodical, almost mechanical nature with which Liam Martin in particular. We just march back into position. It was like it, it was almost like they were doing it in a way where like, well, that try has been scored. Now we move on to the next one. It I just it, it's such a remarkable team to watch live because they are just such this such a strong unit. You sort of get this feeling that there's this self-belief in that team at the moment where they genuinely feel we, we genuinely believe nobody out there is good enough to beat us and we're now we're we're going to go out there and show you why. Absolutely. You know, and the Parramatta loss last week, you know, would have hurt them. But I don't think they would have been too upset by it. You know, because they just know the NRL, you can't win every week. So they just well, straight back into gear this week. Nothing changed. Well, the, uh, the Panthers lost that by two points. And I think, rightly or wrongly, they might have been um, saving a little bit for the, for the last weekend. Uh, in yeah, they, they definitely the had their mind on Melbourne. Yeah, they definitely had their mind on Melbourne. There's no doubt about that. And Parramatta are a really talented team when they play well. And Parramatta played well. Mate, did uh, Craig Bellamy, the super coach, um, get his tactics wrong, throwing Tyron uh, Wishart into the fullback role, a position that he hadn't played for uh, for two years? To use a term used by a friend of the pod at Harvey G, he big-brained it. Yeah. He overthought it. You know, he didn't want to move Nick Meany because he's comfortable on the wing and all that. No, you've got you've got a first-grade standard fullback. Put him Put him at fullback. That was that was it was ridiculous. Like it was absolutely ridiculous putting Tyrone Wishart at the fullback, and especially under those conditions, against the guy with the best kicking game of the competition. Yes, that, that that's exactly right. Because if you're going to do it against any like any team that's coming up against a Nathan Cleary led team, you want your best fullback in positions purely for the fact that. Well, that's one of their most dangerous aspects. Like, you know, that key, maybe Adam Reynolds has a kicking game to rival Nathan Cleary's at the moment, but only certain aspects of it. Um, you wanted someone in that number one role who you were like, look, if, if even if we need someone 100% ready to, to take this on because 99% is probably going to hurt us. And I thought Wishart probably operated at that 90 to 95% level and the Panthers uh, had a 26-point win off the back of it. And once they found the weakness, they did what good teams do and just kept hammering it. The same thing Melbourne do. Mm. 
once Melbourne find your weakness, they will just exploit it for 80 minutes. And exactly what Penrith did. As soon as I realized Tyron dropped the first, and I went, right, every single time we're within range, this is going to the sky. We're going to chase it and scare him. And that's what they did. Mate, as um, as a lot of people have pointed out, no Pappenhausen, no Jerome Hughes. Uh, so Melbourne were playing with 50% of their spine missing. I, I can tell you from experience with the Knights, nobody seems to get too worked up when we're getting pumped, when we're missing three quarters of our spine. Why is it such a big deal? Why, why is it such uh, an excuse for the Storm to have 32 points put on them by the Panthers simply out of the fact that they're missing their one and seven? And that was actually the Panthers' biggest win over Melbourne uh, in their history. And I would buy that excuse at the fact that how many times do we hear, oh, Melbourne win without their best players? Yeah. Like literally every time, every time any, not just the Knights, any time one of the clubs at our sort of level missing guys, taps to the Tigers and, pick the, and a fan goes, oh, they were missing blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you get another fan from the same club who's a bit of an idiot or whatever will go, yeah, but the Melbourne, Melbourne can win without the best players and, and whatnot. And, you know, we used to always hear, oh, the Roosters win without the best players. Then last year, the Roosters had all their injuries. Oh, well, they've got, they've got their injuries. That's why they're no good next year. They'll be the best team in the comp again. It's just, it's a narrative now that, that it's kind of stuck, but it doesn't stick in terms of, well, when they haven't got the best players and they perform badly, people will jump on them. People don't. People go, oh, well, now they've got an excuse. It's just, it's so ridiculous. It is mm. so ridiculous. Like, Mel- Melbourne are a probably the best run club in Australia of any sport. Yes. And yeah, they're missing half their spine. But that shouldn't be an excuse to get worth. If they got people by 10, I would go, yeah, that's about where you would expect them to form. You know, Penrith is slightly better. A couple of players missing. Penrith winning by a couple of tries. Fair enough. But they were blown off the paddock. And, it, and Penrith could have won by more. And it was dry. Penrith would have won, would have put 50 on them. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it was um, it was actually the weather in the end that was keeping the score line um, where it was at. Um, just to f- uh, quickly wrap up on this game, I saw an interesting comment on Twitter afterwards where someone was pointing out that um, Braith was trying to lay the blame for that loss at the feet of Harry Grant. Now, <laughs> the fir- well, further to that comment, they were saying, Braith, maybe you should be keeping those thoughts to yourself. And I'll just expand that for our listeners if they're not um, uh, avid Twitter followers, though I-, I would assume that's a minority of you. Yes, if you are the agent for Cameron Munster, you should be keeping very quiet about how what you're going to be say about- saying about losses like that because someone might think that you're trying to cover up for your client who played like dog shit on Saturday night. And yeah, and the thing is, it's going to get Melbourne offside. Oh, absolutely. Melbourne get like if if, if Melbourne have a choice of a Harry Grant and Cameron Munster, I know they're keeping. <laughs> Harry Grant's already been extended, but that yeah. that showed you where they're at. Harry Grant was a big, way bigger priority to re-sign than Cameron Munster was. Mm. Like, like Brace doing Cameron Munster no favors. Absolutely none, none yeah. whatsoever. He, it's, um... and I just it it is it is I'm time for a rant. It is mind blowing that a player agent can host a rugby league show and every week do nothing but try to get his client more money. It is absolutely disgusting that that stuff's allowed to go to air and would never go to air in any other sport, that he he literally is the agent of the biggest free agent player in the country and every week he does everything he can to blow smoke of his client's ass, but also rip the players that will 
compete with his client for money. I, I think I, can't I think it's believe it. I think it's something that the um, I get. I'm a bit surprised the players' union don't get involved in. I do. Oh, I, I think they, I think they do. I think they do. But the problem is the TV runs rugby league and it always will. Yeah. yeah. Because you're absolutely right. Because it, funnily enough, it actually does do Cam Munster a disservice, but it does every other player in the game a disservice as well. Because it's giving this one player such an unfair advantage, whether it's to his detriment or not. Um, yeah, it's 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 amateur hour. It's just it's so it's so unprofessional that you sort of it, it's one of those occurrences that you're like well, we should never have to think about having to deal with something like that because that would never happen and yet rugby league finds a hold my beer moment rugby to say league, well, the billion dollar sport the billion dollar sport rub, rub like a pump comp <laughs> like it's, it, it, blow, it just blows me away how poorly rugby league is governed it's just crazy but but the thing is Cameron Munster. Like I'm sure he thinks he's, he's like, it's good for him, but it's not. No, it is absolutely it's, it's not. It's not like he, he's getting he's getting Melbourne offside. If Melbourne if Melbourne are no longer in the market for Cam, which I reckon that I don't think they will be. I think they will just let him go because they they got other priorities they need to spend money on. Um, yeah, he'll get his one and a half million dollar deal with Dolphins, whatever he gets. But th- there's his career done. Mm. You know, he'll still play Origin because he's still great, but he'll never be the name up in lights like he is now. And that'll cost him off the field. Yeah, very it'll cost much him, so. It'll cost his legacy because at the end of the day, players are generally remembered for their last five or so years at the top. So people eventually, if he plays in five or six years at the Dolphins and they do nothing, people forget the Melbourne years. They just will. Yeah, that's a very... I actually... I, I hadn't thought of it like that. I sort of... Uh, you never, you never really know how these things are going to finish up, and you sort of, for me at the moment, Cameron Munster is and always will be a storm player. Um, yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought about that. You sort of, I mean, it's it's such a tough, it's such a tough decision to make for players. I mean, you look like some, you look at someone like Kalen Ponger. Everyone's sort of saying, well, he only made his five year decision with the Knights based on money and the ease of his lifestyle. But you sort of. You get the impression with him, he really did want to weigh it all up in terms of what's the maximum value that I can get that is um, that that will still give me enough chance, enough opportunity to win a premiership as well. I, I genuinely do believe that that was part of his thinking when he decided to re-sign with the Knights in terms of what was available to him. And that was how he wanted to balance out the financial aspect versus the aspect for success. It's a tough decision to make for any player. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, the K, the KP decision was I, is, well, it's a four-year deal or something, whatever it is. But I, th- I think the KP only thinks of the near future. I think, you know, he's a typical millennial in that sense. He, well, he's probably um, Gen Z, is he? Um, <laughs> but anyway, but, you know, like, but he's, um, I sort of think that he, He's not thinking long term. He's just thinking, where can I win a premiership soon? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, people are gonna laugh. They go, oh, the Knights, blah blah blah. But they're a hell of a lot closer than the Dolphins are. Oh, absolutely. Like the Dolphins signed Eddie Lee the other day, and that was a great, good, really good signing for them. But when mm. Eddie Lee's a, like a marquee sort of signing, like a big name, that tells you where they're at. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um. I want to let's let's finish off Magic Round, mate. I um well let's let's very quickly. We sort of talked a little bit about the Sharks before. Um, solid win for the Raiders on Sunday afternoon. That was a game that they were just priming themselves for just that classic 
Canberra fade. Um, but credit to them, they um, they finished the job and they finished it in style. You know, they were they were down a, a man a, a couple of times in that game. Didn't let them. Didn't let it Put down. Two men at one stage, everything. Yeah. So um, big win. That was a, that was an important win for the Canberra Raiders. Yeah, that that keeps their season, you know, not on not on track because they're you know, they're well outside the eight. But you know, but it keeps their season alive. They if they lost that, I think you know they were dead and buried. Yeah. You no, know, not just be the the, the table because they would have been pretty much where we are. You know, we, I still consider us chance. But in terms of confidence, like they've just blown too many leads. Like they would have mentally shot if they'd blown another one. One of the things that you and I were discussing on Sunday during the game was. How do I put? How do I say this? It, 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 we think it's tough being a Knights fan. We genuinely think it would be tougher being a Raiders fan because there's no halftime. You, you can never be happy during a game. Like you can never be. You can just never be comfortable watching this team. If you're behind at halftime, you're like, "Oh, great, we suck." And if you're ahead at halftime, you're like, "Well, we're going to fucking lose this anyway." And it's only when the final siren really goes that you can feel that relief. But it's it's relief instead of in, oh great we won the game so it, it cannot be easy being a Raiders fan watching this team play at the moment. Oh no, I I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. That must be must be torture. <laughs> no, 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 no lead safe. Like it's just simple. No lead safe. Um, and you know, and then I'm sure I'm sure once once you go back within ten and the Simmons that I'm sure every Raiders fan had gone well. This is done. <laughs> it's um yeah. It's, 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 not, it's, not a fun way. it's not a fun way to live your life. So an important win for the Raiders, mate. Another important win on Sunday. And um, this was game of the round for me. This was, you know, except obviously for the um, for the Knights win. Uh, the Roosters-Eels game was the game of the round. Uh, 31 points to 24 for the Roosters. But um, back and forth, you know, sort of um, the Eels kept clawing their way back into it. And the, the Roosters really did have to earn this one. The enigma that is Parramatta. Mm. You know, are they good? Are they okay? Are they not good? Who knows? Their best is really good. Their worst is really bad. I don't, I don't get them at all. But the Roosters, but even though Parramatta got right back into it, that, they played 10 minutes of good football in that game. At the end of the day, the Roosters dominated 70 minutes of it. Parramatta played 10 minutes and showed they can be outstanding with 10 minutes. Went bang, bang, bang. But nah, the Roosters dominated that game pretty much from start to finish. You think the scoreline flattered? The Eels, or was that a scoreline where the Eels made the most of, you know, the opportunities that these that they had, and they possibly could have put themselves in a in a position to um to nab it from the Roosters. I never say a scoreline flatter the team because you earn what you score, but the game wasn't a seven wasn't seven points close. I mean, it was at least two tries. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as I said, the like Parramatta showed you know how good they are and. And it also just once again it showed me the roosters aren't the roosters in terms of they're not as mentally strong as they used to be. The old roosters would have absolutely taken taken them to town after the start they had. Um, oh, they never would have let them get back into the game. Yeah, no, I, um, um, I still. Yeah, I, 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 I actually think that Parramatta are a better team than the roosters. Now, I, I think that Parramatta are in the second tier, where I think the roosters are in the third tier. But the roosters were at were well, way better than them on Sunday. Yeah. No, I um, I very much agree with you on that, mate. Um, what do you make of the Eels? 
I mean, we sort of said last week after they beat the Panthers, you're like, well, this is a team that also wanted to lose to the Tigers and the Cowboys. And, and granted, the Cowboys are playing well at the moment, but the, the Cowboys absolutely owned the Eels. Um, you know, mm. they they beat they like to beat the Storm and the Panthers away, but then they'll they'll come into a game against the Roosters that they really should have been able to at least handle, and they come away with a loss. What what do you make of this Parramatta team at the moment? It's for me. It's the, it's the same issue. It's always been they haven't had a good coach. I really think that they're a team. I'd, I really think they're a team you can you can lay a lot of the blame at the coach's feet. He's just not. He's just not a good coach. Um, whether they go outside their structures or they just play off the top of their head. Mitch Moses is just doing Mitch Moses things. You know, he's got that great kick try the other day and and whatnot. Like they're really good at, at an Adelaide team, which to me says they're poorly coached because when they play loose, they play better. Mm. Um, and that shouldn't be the case. Um, no, I, th- I think that they're a really, really talented team, and I think that their coach is, is wrecked. You know, their premiership window is about to shut. They're about to lose Papa Lee. They're about to lose Marnie. You know, their premiership window is shutting after this season, and they've blown it. They've absolutely blown it. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough call. I mean, you know, the Eels have the longest premiership drought in the NRL. Um you sort of felt like the last, <laughs> you sort of felt like the last couple of years with their um with their t- with their year to do it, but I, I still think they've got a long. I thought way. last year. I thought I thought last year was a disaster for them. I think, and I'll tell you why, because they got Papa Lee on the cheapest deal imaginable. They felt Bryce Cartwright learned how to play rugby league <laughs> again. Sean Lane was playing. Sean Lane was playing out of his skin for most of the year. There were so many guys that had career years. And they still couldn't get past the second week of the finals. Yeah, they um to me they they've, they've absolutely and it's because and I blame the coach. They've just they've just blown it. They their, their premiership window is about to close, and and unless a miracle happens and Mitch Moses and and that, and Dylan Brown, who's played really well this year, surprisingly you know, well in attack. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they're um they're going to be going to be up there next year once they lose their hooker. Mate, just very quickly, we'll um, we'll wrap up Magic Round, and we've uh, we've spent a bit of time on it. Um, Cowboys continue to amaze; they're up, they're riding up high in top four. Um, I actually felt a bit sorry for the Tigers in the end. The, the, the score, as you said, the scoreline is the scoreline. Um, but did we see see the most amazing try assist of the season for that? You know, maybe of all time for that. I first... think it's the second best I've ever seen. I think the yeah. only better try assist I've ever seen was Greg Inglis to Gazzy at the SCG. Yes. Yeah, that, and that was it's so funny because that was literally the exact sort of image and feeling that came yeah. in it because we were all looking at it going, why is he even why he's out? <laughs> he was clearly out when he passed that ball, yeah. and yet the replays just showed no. He just was not, not only was he not clear, he was clearly still in the like in play when he passed that ball, and it wasn't even close. That's and I think. I think that's what always keeps um, amazing me about rugby league is the way the game continues to find new ways to amaze you. Like you just you think you've seen it all, and then it just keeps finding these new ways where you're like, because that that clip is trending now. Like that clip was is just going yeah. worldwide in terms of people going. You are not going to believe what you're about to see. Yeah, it was just it defied gravity. It's as simple as that. He was just hanging in the air. It was it was amazing. Um, the corner post, like obviously he hit the corner post, and he's not out because of the rule. Is it is it weird that the ball touches it in your and it's out, but you touch it, and you're not out? 
Yes, like, I, don't no, think the ball, I, don't, I don't think the ball touch. It's got to be one or the other, doesn't it? So you raised this uh, at the game on Sunday. The corner post in rugby league, I think, is an archaic sort of item on the field that they don't know what to do with because it's they're like for nostalgia. It's well, and this is the thing. Like, as I pointed out, a thought doesn't even stand up straight, so you can't yes. use it to judge whether the ball's got dead in goal or not. Yes, because at half the time it's a meter in the end goal. And and that was the reason they changed it. That if the body touches it, you're still in because they realised that the corner post doesn't stay upright, and it can't stay upright because if you've got players who stopped, you have yeah exactly. If you're throwing yourself around the field, that is a dangerous like you compare that to something like soccer, where the gla- like that that corner post is you know dug into the ground spike. and it has to yeah. stay, but. The thing about soccer is that the ball and the player, no, the, just the ball, the player, it doesn't matter what, it has to be completely over the line for it to be out. That's why the ball can touch the post in soccer. It doesn't make any difference. But with rugby league, you no, know, the ball has to be out when it touches the post because if the ball or any part of the player touches any of the outside line, they're considered out. So it's it's this weird post where, yeah, you're absolutely right. Why is it if I touch the line with any part of my body, I'm out, but I touch the post with any part of my body, I'm still in, but the ball touches the post. It's, yeah, it's it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's just, just, it's just dumb. Just get rid of the stupid thing. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Look, after all of the magic of the other seven games of Magic Round, um, I don't think... I don't think anyone would think that it's hyperbole for me to say that the Knights win over the Bulldogs was the greatest result of Magic Round weekend. But, Bretto, as as we do tell all of our listeners, it is not merely you and I that um, make up the great company and entertainment that is Bay 53. We do have a lot of of other people that uh, sit there and uh, entertain the crowd as much as the players entertain them. And one of them is my cousin Thor, who has um, ambled his way into the recording booth and is joining us. Thor, thank you very much for sitting on in this, sitting in on this episode. No worries. Thanks for inviting me. We, um, we, if, look, no pressure, but um, we're anticipating a high level of shenanigans if, uh, <laughs> if uh, game attendances are anything to go by. Um, oh, you mean for the recording? Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I had some hijinks I was, I was ready to do a couple of days ago, but I, I feel a little bit flat, but I'll try and get, uh, I'll try and get my energy levels up. So um, we were actually going to record while we were up at uh, at Magic Round, um, but unfortunately, not. We didn't all bring out the the relevant recording devices, so we thought, ah, fuck it, we'll do it after Magic Round. And what that means is that yeah, the, the three of us are probably a little bit worse for wear um, as as we hit hit record. But we are still passionate about the nights, nevertheless. Bretto, uh, it was a sixteen to six win in the end. Uh, you and I, as you and I said earlier, it was it was just an important result. It was a win that we just needed to get no matter what. 
Um, it was just a win where at no point in the game did you ever feel comfortable that um, that we were going to get that result. No, I mean, but I think that's also a bit, you know, us being damaged as fans because we were dominant in that game. You know, we, we gave them very, very little. You know, their, their one try came from a lovely little kick against the Fox that couldn't, you know, that it, Perth would have stopped because it was a perfect kick. Um, but, no, we, we we dominated that game. But, yeah, Knights fans, you know, we're, we're never comfortable. Are we? We're like Raiders fans in that way. Thor, um, you and I obviously drove up on the Thursday and the Friday. We sort of like to take our time with these things. Um, it was a bit of an uncomfortable drive going up in a lot of ways because we'd been burnt last year. We were on the back of seven a seven-game losing streak. Our expectations, it's safe to say, coming into Friday night were pretty low. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the drive, it was less uh, nervous excitement and more a bit trepidation, yeah? We were, uh, mm. we were worried, oh, we're just going to get embarrassed again after a, a nine-hour, ten-hour drive or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I was gearing up to go and find... Uh, some players from for some unidentified white substance to <laughs> pick up my spirits after the game, just because. Um, it wasn't to be. What do you what do you sort of make of that first half? I mean, it 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 absolutely was not a game that was sort of showing off the credentials of two premiership contenders. It absolutely was a game between the 15th and the 16th place teams who both sides were just determined to be the most desperate not to lose. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're right. I I think that first half was a a half of two teams that wanted to get to the back end of the game with a chance. Yeah. You know, they they just wanted to get to the point where, you know, and, and... and both sides have got, you know, they've obviously got the Fox and they've got Burton, you know, they've got, as much as they've struggled on the field, they've got some individual guys that can just win your match. And I think both teams were like, we just need to get to the 65th minute right in this and see what happens. Yeah. Thor? I think... Yeah. I, I, I agree with Bredo there. I think uh, uh, there was also a bit of, like, Kalen didn't have his best game for us by any means. Uh yeah. But Burton just put up at one point just a towering bomb that was moving all over the place. And, you know, KP spilled his lollies. I I thought to myself, well, no one could have caught that. But I think, yeah, it was a real arm wrestle first half and then second half. Maybe maybe they got the instructions, just keep it down their end. But it felt like we sort of were on top of them most of the second half. Um, which I'm glad about because being the first game of the round could have really spoiled the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so we've all been there. Sorry, Brad, I cut you off before. What were you? Get? You were going to finish off your thought? No, the other the other thought was that I I was actually impressed with the Knights' discipline in terms of they just were going to win the game. Yeah, they they didn't care about if they won two nil or twenty twenty to two. You know. It was they were just going to be in the game, and they knew that if they didn't, they knew that they could only beat themselves if they played well enough. Because Canterbury weren't—they realised after after twenty minutes, Canterbury weren't going to hurt them. 
Mm. You know, the conditions, you can, the, the slippery conditions sort of took a lot of Canterbury's strength out of the game. You know, it stopped Pengai inflating. It stopped Burton sort of being able to play at the, short at the line. I really think, I was impressed with the fact that it, for a team that's not low in confidence, we just stuck to the game plan for long enough. And as, and as I said, you know, earlier that to me the big highlight was that all the things that went wrong in the game, not once did we drop our bundle. Yeah, no. So, so one of the because one of the things we were saying before Thor was, um, you know, four minutes into that second half when we had that um, that try to Saifidi. Was it Dan Saifidi? Disallowed. Uh, the second one. Who was the first? Was it? No, I'm pretty the sure one? the Leo Thompson dropping his lollies. No, no, I'm pretty sure. No. I'm pretty sure DeSaf's overturned try was like because that he was the, he he definitely had a try disallowed. Yes, uh, he did. In off the, the coast offload in the second in the second half, yeah. um, whenever it was that we hit, whichever one we yeah we just thought no we're um, we're going down there like this is where we'll drop like we'll just we'll drop that ment- with that mentally we'll drop out of the game you know we'll wait for more to go wrong we'll go oh no we can't win these things and but it, it just it just didn't seem to be a decision that went against us that spiraled for the rest of the game we sort of almost seemed to put it behind us and get on with the rest of the match. Yeah, that, you know, and that and that's that's testament to the players' strength of character because they would have been feeling the pressure more than we were. You know, they would have been feeling the fact that our entire season is on this on the line in this game, and we we know like the Lord of all people knows. You know, he does the long drives home after watching us just mentally collapse. Mm. Um, and we didn't. You know, it was Canterbury. I absolutely understand that, but Canterbury still have enough plays to hurt you if you're not switched on. Yeah, hundred percent. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I think as, I mean, I was never going to be confident, but I, I felt a whole lot better watching us, you know, get across the line, at least three other occasions, and just whether by error or you know, just not think, <laughs> white line fever for uh, Thompson. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, you know. Like I said, we left a lot of points out there. We could have, we could have easily won that bloody thirty to six or whatever. And so I, w- I was saying to Bretto on the sa- on Saturday that we legitimately we legitimately left eighteen points out on the field because both of the no tries and the Leo Thompson drop were all under the posts. Like they they weren't sort of um, tries where you know we might have gotten something out at the out at the edge or we so, no they were all under the post so you know that they all would have been converted um, so that was well, easily well, easy. <laughs> yeah you chickens I reckon probably probably <laughs> but that was easily a scoreline that could have been thirty four to six um, if we'd taken all of our all of our chances boys I, I want to talk a little bit more about and and Thor I'll get your take on this before I jump to Bretto I want to get your thoughts on the Dan Sofidi no try and yeah that. Just quickly, that is actually how um, how much happened in that second half. That um, that that no try was after forty three minutes. Yeah, right. So we we'd really come out of the blocks firing, and um, uh, Dan Sofidi, I didn't realise had actually been off for an HIA. So he came. He'd probably had at least um, 15, 20 minutes rest by that stage. Boys, we we sort of spoke about it after the round one win over the Roosters where we said, look, we accept that the bunker got the James Tedesco no try right, where they said David Clemmer was denied an opportunity, um, you know, that created the gap. 
But we sort of said we don't like that rule. We don't like the way it's interpreted. We think that is going to cause problems um, throughout the season. And lo and behold, it was almost a mirror image uh, of the Dan Sofidi no try. But as you pointed out, Bretto, the difference with the Dan Sofidi try no try was that Croaks had been involved in the play. That's like why he, he was passed the ball. Yeah, so he offloads. Yeah, to he wasn't a decoy. going. So are they now saying, well, we don't care if you've offloaded anymore. You'll still be obstructing the defensive line if you're there when the player comes back to you. Why? I want to make a point. Maybe I'm wrong. But when it happens that dummy half, a dummy half goes over and they go, well, the mark, the, uh, the guy playing the ball can't disappear. That's the rule. You know, he's yep. entitled to stand his ground. So surely the guy that passed the ball and offloaded is allowed to stand his ground. Because that's cool. what Croaks did. Croaks didn't yeah. move. He offloaded and stood his ground. Now, oh. I've, I've watched the replay of the clune try that was allowed. The, you know the only difference was? The Canterbury player didn't run into Dan Saifidi and fall over. Correct. Because Dan Saifidi was way yeah. more in, you know, a way bigger in, uh, impact on the line because he stopped in the line. The Canterbury guy just didn't run into him and fall over. He just stood there next to him. Otherwise, to me, the clune one would have been a bigger no try. And all the Canterbury guy had to do was literally run into him and hit the ground. Mm. That's when we've got to the point now where – Players diving is what they need to do. Yep. Yeah, uh, I suppose you're right. There, there is a bit of time between bloody Croker throwing the, the uh, offload and it finally making its way to Dan. Because there's a bit of time there where Croker's sort of, he's through the line and he's, you know, it he, he looks like he's sort of, uh, yeah. But that's the uh, thing about Thor. Players are so confused about what they have to do. He didn't know what he had to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, he just look, like what? What can he do? Yeah, look. Oh, at the time, I was like, oh, I suppose that's how it's interpreted. So I'll just deal with it. What I was pleased to see with afterwards was how excited Dan Safidi seemed to be to to get over the line and score a try. Both he and Jake looked like. They're really into it on Friday night, where they've been lacking a bit of that uh, intensity and maybe even a bit of joy. Um, Friday night, they both, you know, a couple of moments there where they just look bloody excited to potentially have done something excellent. As it was, both of them had them taken off them. No, I, I'm completely agree with you on that one, Thor. Actually, it actually was something that I picked up on at the game, where you sort of looked at his reaction. And look, you know, Bruno, you and I have been so critical of the Saifidi boys the last uh, few weeks. Just going, where's that energy? Where's that? Where's that enthusiasm? Where's where's that? Those players that were winning Player of the Year awards or winning, you know, rep, rep Player of the Series awards. What, what what happened to that? And you sort of got felt like you got a glimpse of those um, those players again on Friday night. Yeah. Absolutely. I know I got, I got no doubt that the two weeks in Queensland, um, Clem and AOB would have been feeding those boys red meat. <laughs> Clem, Clem would have been ripping into them for two weeks on the training paddock, I reckon. He would have been absolutely into those boys. And you know, Clem would of all players didn't want to lose the dogs, you know. I reckon that Clem's really been in those boys' ears this week because they look they look like different players. So, boys, not yeah. only did we not drop our head after that um, after that no try, we scored almost immediately straight after. And the player to do it, whether it was fortuitous or whether he just, you know, had a kick up the backside was Bradman Best. 
Boys, uh, Thor, I'll, I'll throw to you on this one. What, what's your take in terms of there being pressure on his spot going into Friday's game? Do you feel like that's overstated? Or if the coaches do feel like he's under pressure, do you think that that's warranted? Do you think that's not warranted? Where do you see Bradman best in this side? Oh, I don't know. He's, he's just uh, evidence of how, how much the, the whole team has been struggling for the last seven weeks or whatever like he he hasn't been going all that crash hot um he's struggled a bit but i definitely want him in my squad you know i'd i i prefer having him playing centers and you know a little bit low on confidence compared to where we're in the position at the moment with anari tuala playing centers to fill a spot and I'm not 100% convinced that scenario's best best place in the team, but yeah, well, I I I want to see more of that from Bradman. I know he's just you know finishing off some handy work. But was it KP that fed him? It yeah, was. I was pretty drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the the Bulldogs line rushed up on KP, who stepped out of the grass of his tackle of the tackler's yeah. broken line. He passed, I think, behind one Bulldogs defender and he managed to and he um yeah. try assist for, for Bradman. Yeah, <laughs> one thing so I will say about Brad, that is Bradman if, just had to follow along. If Bradman's out of the team, it has to be for Heimel coming back to the centres. Because we've only got three first grade centres of mine. Correct. Two that play the play, the play centre and Heimel. If if Bradman was so down on confidence and Heimel come back and they wanted to keep Dominetti on the wings, I that wouldn't be my preference. But to me that's yeah, there's some basis in that. For Anari Tuala, go get fucked. That guy, mate. Oh, I don't. I Anari's a tryer, man. I got no problems in being in the squad, but he cannot be in first grade in playing centre. He just can't. He, he's certainly not one of the. As you've immediately pointed out, and as I absolutely do agree with you, uh, he's not one of the best three centres uh, in our squad at the moment. And I think if Heimel's coming back into that team, he's taking a wing spot, you know, with Bradman in form. That leaves Dom Young on the other wing. And Dane Gagai wasn't brought in to play New South Wales Cup. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Heimel is the uh, – sorry, uh, Tuala is the uh, is the odd man out the, there. The, the, same, the same reason we had to go at hook about not believing in his young kids, we've got to do it with Bradman. Oh, absolutely. And it's not even Bradman's been horrific. Like, Bradman hasn't been bad. Bradman hasn't been costing his games. He just hasn't been outstanding. Like he hasn't been what we expect from Bradman, but he's been yeah. he's been fine. Um, yeah, there's no there's, to me. There's just no justification for why he would get dropped. Other than as I said, if you wanted to keep Dominetti on the wings, and you thought, oh, bug it, we'll give Heimel a go and see see how it goes. I mean, the word from Barry yeah. Tui was that he said, I'm, "I'm only reporting what's going on," and I'm like. So hang on, are you, are you saying that coaches are telling you he's under pressure? Because if coaches think he's under pressure, I want to know what they think about the other sixteen players who who have been performing for the last um, for the last few weeks as well. Because I doubt Bradman's alone in that um, in that regard. Barry Tui's yeah. taking a leaf out of James Hooper's book. He just makes his own news. <laughs> Boys. Um, Bradman win so Bradman does win. Bradman scores the try. KP just just misses the conversion, and and we had the best seats for that conversion because it, it was like five rows back from where where he was yep. taking. We where we were. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, trust yeah. us. Yeah, we were. we were very close uh, to it. 
Um, as I said, we left 18 points out on the field. You know, unfortunately, the Dan Sofidi try, no try is technically correct. And I really do hope that they start get going back to looking at players running behind their teammates as opposed to alongside their teammate. Anyway, Leo Thompson, though, had a brand, like just the prime opportunity to score his um, his debut try for the Newcastle Knights. Um, great play by Phoenix Crossland as well to see that opening up the middle. That's the sort of thing that you that you want from your utility. But, Bretto, Leo just he, ju- he just couldn't hold it. He never really got a grasp of that ball, and uh, he dropped it almost uh, almost as soon as the, the ball was passed. He just... The excitement in the end got the better of him. Yeah, do you remember the Safidi did that a lot back in the back in the dark days? Both twins used to drop the ball a lot in that same situation. And that, <laughs> and Dan, Dan actually cost us the last game of 2016 against the Dragons. Remember when we had a big lead in blue, and Dan blew a wide open line with that same play. Yeah. It's it's just uh, a, it's just a young front rower thing. I think when they're not used to the pressure of the line and the defence all in their face, they snatch a little bit. Yep. And um, yeah. to me, the Penguins do a lot of the Broncos. You know, he'd, he'd blow a lot like that. Um, yeah. yeah. Dan Sapedi no, dropping that. Dan Sapedi dropping that try in 2016. Pretty sure you'll find that gave us the spoon. <laughs> <laughs> damn you, damn you, Dan. That's the reason we didn't get to two and a half wins. Um, <laughs> Blew um, the whole Brownie rebuild. Brownie should be cashed today if he scored that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you know, Leo Thompson, you know, jokes aside, um, and we'd sort of been calling for him to to probably been dropped, but it's simply because a young player who'd be playing more footy than he really should have been at this stage deserved a rest. So he, he really deserved more of a rest as opposed to being dropped from the team. Um, credit to him, though, he's held his spot in the team. You know, he's, he's gone from starting front rower to lock to bench forward. You know, he's just kept rotating through the spots. Um, and, you know, he was another player after seven straight losses who you didn't know what to expect on uh, on Friday night. I thought he did a good job all round. Yeah, and he, I see his pick this week on the bench. I reckon this week it'll be ideal. I think he'll play 15 minutes because Barty will play a lot of minutes at lock. We've got two other, you know, middle forwards on the bench, um, Croaks and and Jacob. So I think yep. I think Thompson will be back in the role that um, was seen to be in by Adji at the start of the year. You know, he's he's your guy that will play fifteen minutes in if the rotation's normal. If we get into the middle, you know, he can play half an hour if needed. But he's never, you know, he was never expected to start, let alone be playing fifty minutes. Thor, I'll get you in on this, mate. How have you sort of felt about Leo Thompson in terms of his role in the team? You know, whether it was on Friday night or, you know, even coming into this season, it was a bit of an unknown quantity. What, what do you think Leo Leo was brought to the Newcastle Knights this year? Uh, I mean, I, I had no idea before the trials. I and mean, then, yeah, got a little bit, bit of excitement, yeah, seeing his uh, performance in those trials. And then, mm. and then you know, oh, round one comes along, he's bloody named in the squad, you know, year beauty. And then... Oh, Bredo's right. Like he's been playing a lot of minutes for a guy that you know. How many games of rugby league he played before this year? Not, Not a whole many. lot. And I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I I have a theory that when that ball bounced out the back against uh, was it Para Melbourne against Melbourne? All right. Oh yeah, one, one of those thrashings. Anyway, um, <laughs> he, 
I, I'm almost certain it was because he just reverted to his old rugby days and went, oh, yeah, here we go. Let's get a 20, 22 tap or whatever whatever the rules are in that sport. I don't know that well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he just had a brain fade. And, yeah, I, I, I'm glad he's... I'm glad he's still in the squad, and I'm, you know, I'm happy for him to keep going, going through the paces and getting more experience. But yeah, I'm, I'm also glad that we're in a position where we don't have to have him in the run-on side and playing big minutes this week. Bretto, speaking of um, players in the off-season who were a bit of an unknown quantity, I mean, Dom Young was a much more known quantity than Leo Thompson. But, mate, you, like you called in in the pre-season re- uh, preview. You, you, you specifically said, you said uh, Dom Young will, will nail down a starting spot and he will not lose it again for the rest of the year once he has. And um, he's, you know, maybe after Clem and KP when he's fit, Dom has quickly become one of the first players, players fit. Uh, uh, First players picked for the Newcastle Knights 17. He was fit, he was ready to go, and he was phenomenal on Friday night. And geez, a sort. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't we tell him? Didn't we tell him all about it? <laughs> yeah. I may have been uh, uh, bordering on uh, uh, causing him some grief with how much <laughs> praise I was giving him. He, he was the, he was the second most run meters by any Newcastle night after um after David Clemmer on uh, on Friday night trying to get away oh, from he's him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's just great Tom like he's like he's just he's just in the team now like it's just he's a wing spot he's his yeah. the the other the decisions when Heimel back is is you know who goes out and it'll be Eddie for for two reasons like I think the Dom's in to stay but also now that Eddie's definitely leaving. Well, you've got to keep Dom. You, you know, you need to keep him playing. You know, you've got you've got to sort of, even though the season's not dead yet, you've got to be looking to next year. And and there's no reason to drop Dom other than you know, after four or five straight games, he may get a week off just to let the body because the body's still he's playing every week. Mm. I think, but I think you know it's his spot to keep now. I thought his uh, I thought his chase down and tackle on Josh Adokar. Remember Josh Adokar, you know as bad as the Bulldogs have been, he's still the pre- the the premium premier winger in the game, and Dom Young had him for breakfast. He just had him on toast uh, on Friday on Friday night. That chase down and tackle, um, it wasn't textbook because it was um, it was better than that. He just uh, he nailed it. Hey, to me, it was the confidence of the conf- the confidence of. He didn't panic at all. He just went, if you get out of time, I've got you covered. That's fine. Which shows you how fast he is. And he knows he's fast. You know, like we all, I've said, I've said to you on this pod many times how fast he is. But he knows, you know, like most guys would see the fox on the outside of him would panic. And he was like, no, no, you're okay out there because I've got you. So I'll just make sure the center passes at first, which he did, and then had the fox easily. Because we noticed yeah, that in round yeah, well, that's the thing. We noticed that in round one as well. That's what he was doing with Daniel Tupo. He's like, no, I know I've got you covered. You can have all that space out there. You're not getting past me. And he did, and he made a couple of try-saving uh, try saving tackles in the end. But, yeah, no, Thor, you're, you're absolutely right. That um, that tackle by uh, Dom on uh, Jack, it made the highlight real because at 10-6 up, with, and that happened with about 10 minutes to go, that was the try that we were waiting to concede that and that we just anticipated the Knights were going to concede to lose the game. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just, you know, and it, it's a good move. Like, obviously it can burn you if someone just does get around you and 
shoots down the bloody sideline, you look like a bloody idiot. But same, he, he had him covered, and he used the sideline as you meant to in defence. So. Boys, we'll we'll quickly jump to the last um, the last no try of the evening, and I mean. Credit to Pasami for even getting there and being in that position to even make it a contest. Um, those ones generally aren't very 50-50, though. They're usually closer to 70-30 when, you, when you, you know, the ball's in that position and you've got a player coming from where he was. I, I, he did exceptionally well to get there. Um, but, yeah, I think, that, I think that was one that was sort of, I think we all sort of knew deep down inside that was never going to be a four-pointer. Yeah, I was surprised I got award, reward, uh, awarded, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. It looked pretty obvious. But, look, you know, again, we're 10-6 up. We're going into the last 10 minutes. Mate, it, it, in the end, it was all about the loony clunes. And I, I thought Adam, even before that try, probably had his most commanding game of the season for us. Again, he's playing the second-worst team in the in the comp, uh, you know, at the time only going worse than us. Um, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And I thought... I thought the Tex Hoy Adam Clune combination on Friday night worked spectacularly. Oh, I didn't realise yeah. I was going to be talking. <laughs> I thought this was like a, an online Twitter chat where I just ignore you guys and let you go for a while. <laughs> Mate, you've got the floor now. Talk us through your thoughts on Adam Clune and Tex Hoy. <laughs> uh, well, look, I'm a bit disappointed Tex Hoy's been dropped this week. I mean, he's, he's been playing reasonably well this year and I have a lot more confidence in him than I have had in Phoenix um, across the last few weeks. But uh, that last try, I mean, it looked to me like Clune was was looking for all money, like he wanted to throw it wide. And then he just sort of looked up for a moment, saw a big gaping hole and a big lazy Paul Vaughan. Just decided, no, I'll just run back inside. Brado? Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where, yeah, the dogs were pathetic. If we considered that try, we'd be, you know, losing our minds. But it's good to see another con- It's good to have the confidence in the need to step off it and, and go. Yeah. Yeah, which is what you know, which so. is what we've seen in the trials and what we've seen on the season. That's what we're all sort of hopeful about with him. Um, you know, he, he he can be can beat a, a slow tiring forward because he's quite quick for a halfback. But no, um, yeah, but uh, and then that's the thing now, like because we've got the milf coming in and and Cliff almost back is playing reserve reserve grade this week. It means that we can sort of manage him a little bit, and I think he'd be you know really handy for us in the season. <laughs> but something else. <laughs> Uh, I think it's it was great to see, like I said, it looked like he wanted to spread it wide and then just looked up and saw a big hole. It felt polar opposite to Mitchell Pearce basically telegraphing <laughs> a run for the line. Just, oh, what's this? Tackle four? Better have my run at the line. <laughs> I, I, I look. I know exactly what what you're talking about, Thor. In fact, even before then, there were a couple of moments there where um, uh, Adam Clune did prove his worth more. You know, this year just with his short kicking game, like there were a couple of times he kicked into the in goal zone, the in in goals goal zone, and um, 
what am I saying? Why does it sound so weird to me? Anyway, he, he, yeah. it's called the Ingol area. Thank you very area. much. I'm, uh, <laughs> um, um, Ingol zone. I'm, 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 I'm owning it. And we got a repeat set. And you know, those are those are the sorts of things that accumulate over the course of the game. That you know, later on in the game, they might work to your to your sort of favour and put you in a position to win. So. No, we were doing backflips um, in our bay uh, when when Clooney went over and he and he and he scored. I, and I got a DM from um, at Sixers player, Dragons fan, who gave me the heads up before the season. And he said, "Mate, Clooney's getting the job done for you." I was like, "Mate, I love you so much." And he said, oh, "I love you." I'm like, "Oh yeah, we're, we're all up tonight." So <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was just a, it was a great win. And, and like you said, Thor, a great way to start the weekend. Um, we'd been there last year when we started with a loss, and it's not so much fun. So. Um, yeah, thank you very much to the Knights um, to make for making Magic Round uh, a lot more enjoyable than it otherwise could, could have been. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Alba. Alba will score. Alba will score. Newcastle have won the grand final. Boys, um, we don't so much put that into the rearview mirror, but, I mean... We're recording this on a Tuesday, team list Tuesday. The the team for for the big uh, Broncos game was released today, and one A Milford was not only named in the Knights team; he's starting. He's straight into number six. Um, Brett, I'll, I'll I'll get your thoughts on this. You and I sort of had him pegged more as that number four team, but Adam O'Brien has seen something in training where he said, "No, I want you out there from the first minute in the halves." Good move, bad move to you know, wait and see how it goes. Oh, you definitely wait and see, but no, I think that that's a big bonus in terms of like that AAB thinks that Milford hit the ground running because we're all worried about the Milford. You know, he can be a bit lazy in training and stuff, and that was a, definitely an issue late at the Broncos. Um, but AAB has said a couple of times in the last couple of weeks that you know he's trained the house down. He's been a really positive influence on the other younger halves. And he's training the team. Like it's a it's a great like, and it, I think it's harsh on Tex because Tex has played really well. Yes, he's been in the team. Um, but I actually think it's a bit of a there's a bit of a hint to how the it'll be lining up in the future because they've put Clifford at halfback in reserve grade just you know while he sort of gets himself back on track, and they put Tex next to him. And to me, that says in first grade they see the number one combination as Clifford and Milford because Milford will play a similar game to Tex. He'll run yeah. first, pass second. I yep. think that, um, yeah, I, I think there's a bit of a clue in that. I really, I really do, and I think the Clooney will be the th- not the third stringer as such. I think he'll play plenty of games, but with his knee, they'll manage him and the other guys. I think, and I think Milford will also play some fourteen at times. Um, but I, and I think that once Braley's back in the team, I think Phoenix is out because we won't need a backup hooker on the bench. So I think that'll be Texas' chance. He'll be, he'll be the fourteen. Um, sometimes, sometimes be Milford, be Clune at the halfback spot, but it, to me, it, it's really, it's really encouraging that we've gone from two weeks ago we had no halves, no none that we were happy with at all, to now Texas shown has got some form. Like we've got four good options in the halves now. Thor, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I'm still. I'm still a bit rattled after you've been talking about milfs and pegging earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, realise it was that kind of podcast. <laughs> you know us, mate. Disgusting. You know that's that's what we do. 
Thor, I want to <laughs> I want to ask you about our forward pack. Clemmer, uh, Randall, Sof- Dan Sofidi, Frizzell, Fitzgibbon, and Barnett. Is that the best forward pack that we've named in 2022? This se- like in this season. Uh, it's the best one I'm aware of. It's a it, it's a pretty formidable side. I right, look. I've got a question for you. Got a question for you. Does yeah. Barney stay at lock, right. or does so, me come back and play lock? Right. So I hate to say it, and I hate saying this because uh, you know I, I think I think Barney has been living a lot off reputation. I don't think he's been the consistent player that we've needed. I think he he you know he could have done more in attack. He you know he could do more in defence for us when we really needed it. I hate to admit that the three times we've won this season he's been involved in them and for some reason maybe we haven't looked as solid defensively not necessarily in our go forward Clem has always offered that but certainly from that you know that that cohesion in defense we actually do look better when he's out there I don't know why so in that opening game in that opening game Barnett started on the bench yep yep so do we do we go back to that which I, but I think I don't think the man experiment worked at 13. And when I was talking about the 14, I completely forgot about man. So I actually think that it'll be Barnett starting at lock and man will be the 14. I think, best team. I think man will go back to lock when he's fit because he'll be here next year and Barnett won't. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I also think that Adam O'Brien is still on the mentality that this is a, we need a home final season. Yeah. I, 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 the man experiment just didn't work. It hurt our attack. Passing with the line is not how we play our best football. Um, I might be completely wrong, but to me, this team has to be Dan, could also be. Bra- sorry, Dan Braley, oh. Clem across the front. Yep. yep. Frizz and Fitz uh, uh, in the second row. Yep. Or, Fr- or Frizz and Barney, whichever your choice is there. Um, and then... If you you've got if you haven't got Barnett in the second row, well then he plays lock. Man plays fourteen. Yep. Then your backup propsy, um, you got Jacob, Croaks, and Leo, and I think Leo is the one that could float in and out depending on whether they need another front row or a back rower. Yep. Yeah. I I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I just I wonder I wonder if uh, Man struggled a bit as lock. Because the distribution from Randall is just yeah, I agree. Quite there, agree. Like, agree. It hasn't. You're been right. Good. It's wrong to judge him till Braley's back. Mm. Yeah, like I, might, I, I, it might absolutely. be a whole lot smoother once we got quick, quick distribution. You know, the uh, a hooker that's well and truly first grade material, as opposed to a guy that can fill in in a role. But yeah, round ten, he's been playing every week. He's he's had some off games. Yeah, he, he he at the moment he seems like a guy that just needs a bit of a, a bit of a stint in reserve grade where he can have a breath, you know, recover a little bit and uh, and that kind of thing. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Brayley coming back. When's he coming back? Is it round twenty? So this this is the this is are we talking about Brayley or man? Yeah, yeah, Brayley. Like, see, this is the million dollar question. He was supposed to be back for the Warriors game at one point, but 
But then Fox were reporting... That's crazy that, with a by, by the week after. Bring back the Warriors crazy with a by yeah, the week after. Yeah, so you'd think that he'd be back for round, uh, sorry, round 14 uh, at the earliest. But I heard some reports as late as round 18. Because we were told he was he was going to miss half of the season. Well, half Fox, of the season. Fox was... have always been saying round eighteen, but because Fox and even uh, NRL physio said this, Fox has been going off the old timeline for an Achilles. Okay. Mm. It used to be it used to be five months, six months minimum. Yep. Now it's four. Yeah. So to me, it was always around sort of twelve between twelve and fourteen, and I reckon it's almost locked in at fourteen. Yeah. Because you, there's no point playing at twelve when we've got to buy the week after. You give him one extra week, you get two weeks for the price of one. But do you give, I think if he's fit to go, if he's fit to go, do you give him that round twelve hit out because you know he's got two weeks off to recover? Well, that's the other thing. If Man's back, I might consider it because you mean because you wouldn't play him for eighty. Yeah, you'd play you'd play him for fifty and put Man on for half an hour. Yeah, but I don't think we're ready for him to only play fifty minutes and then someone else play hook of a half an hour. Yeah, if it's not if it's not Kurt Man. Because you're not because you're not going to play Brayley and Renal on the same team. Dicks on the table, bo- tables, boys. How do we go against the Broncos on Thursday? Because both teams played on Friday, so there's no excuses about backups or you know turnaround periods. We both we both played in Brisbane on Friday night. We both got the six game turnaround. We're both coming off a win. Uh, who gets the who gets the win on Thursday and why? Ethel. Oh, no. We do, baby. <laughs> Tear them we, win, up, we win, we win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Milford just goes super saiyan and kills them all. So, Preto, your thoughts before I give mine? Uh, um, I think we'll win. And I'm going to give you a really strange reason why I think we'll win. All right. Well, let me give you let me give you my right. tip, and because okay. I want I want to yep. save the best till last. I do think we win on Thursday. The only reasons I think we win though is that we've already lost too many games at home, and O'Brien's been big on on winning our home games. Well, we've lost three in a row at home, so we need to snap that. And yeah, I, I just think Anthony Milford revenge game. It's it's just written in the stars, and not because I want it to happen. I can just see him, you know, coming out. You know, he copped a lot of shit, like a lot of shit over those last two years at the Broncos. And the fact that he's starting, I reckon he has been determined. Like, there's like not, nothing you've seen to say to Brian, oh, Brian, no, not only am I ready to go, I'm ready to start, I'm ready to prove them wrong. So that, that's that's my reasoning, whether that's right or not. That's that's how I was feeling. But you said dick's on the table, and oh, I'm a little bit worried about my dick. <laughs> <laughs> We're all set, mate. got nothing to worry about. I want to hear your. <laughs> I want to hear your uh, your reason. It's crazy. It, 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 you're right. It's in the stars. It's the Broncos. It's at home when we need to win. It's Milford playing the Broncos his first game for the Knights, and it's Joey's birthday. Oh yeah. Oh, How do we lose God. that game? If we lose yeah. that game, there is no rugby league god. Yeah. No, fold the club. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because and Joey's, like, jo- Joey's going to be there for channel nine. Yeah, I was just going to say he'll be he'll be working that night. You're right. If we don't win that game, fold the club. We are setting ourselves up for so much disappointment. Like we, <laughs> we've just found so many reasons why we should win, and we know for a fact that we won't simply because we're the Knights. No, I, 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 I um, 
you know, it, it really is just sort of setting itself as one of those sort of occasion games. And look, you know, I sort of, <clears throat> I think the Broncos are going very well at the moment. Like they're going seventh. We're, you know, we're coming 14th. So we're obviously the outsiders. The is good. <laughs> <laughs> but you sort of as well with the Broncos, I'm definitely not questioning the teams that they've won or the manner in which they've won and sort of, there's just there's something still about the Broncos that I sort of still feels needs to prove itself. And if they beat us, I don't think it's going to prove themselves yet. But if think if they lose to us, you know what I mean? Like it'll be it'll be a lot more telling about the Broncos if they were to lose to us than if they were to beat us. If that makes any sense. You know what? You know what? Else gives me confidence. I think that we can shut down their number one attacking option. Yes, the crossfield for Cobo. Yeah, we've very got the much two so. wingers that should not be allowing that try ever to be scored. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. So um, I think there is sort of a lot in our favour going into Thursday night where we should win. And I think, I, I genuinely do feel like this team is embarrassed about some of the performances they've put on at home over the last, over the last Let's three not forget we haven't, scored a, we haven't scored one try in our last three home games. One what, what, what have we been outscored? We've been outscored something like 120 to 10 over our last three games. I reckon those boys will be really determined to to – you know, put on a show for the for the home team and say, hey, that's that's not what we're about. You watched the last two games I went to, I drove to Newcastle. <laughs> I scored nothing but a penalty goal. <laughs> this week, I'll bloody score six tries. <laughs> cursing the fact of And you'll be it. banned forever. We will not allow, allow you at the M1 ever again. And I went up the M1 to Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, I um I want to get to we don't have too many questions to get through this week, so I want to get to uh, I want to get to some of the questions that um that we have been and again we probably jumped the gun. I've got uh, at Wazza from Sid on um, Twitter here. He says, "How do you well actually no, Brett, you might want to expand on this. How do you see the Knights using Milford, and what impact will he have on the rest of the team? So he's obviously starting, but." Um, you sort of indicated a little, what role do you see him taking in that team? Because he's not a controlling halfback. He's not a directing half. Like half. He's a he's a sort of play it as it comes, you know, take the opportunities as they present type of half. See, I think he's a perfect foil for KP in that if you have them both running down the same side, teams can't wait for KP coming around the back or they can't wait for Milf short. So... The guy throwing the ball, whether it's Clune, Clifford, Ben, whoever's playing that pivot role on that side, will have two options that if you hit the right play at the right time, it tries to be made. And I think that's the best thing. It will unlock KP a bit. And this is going to sound weird because obviously it's ridiculous in comparison, but it's the same way that Blake Green helped KP. Because Blake yeah. Green wasn't going to run the ball, but everyone knew that once he got the ball, he would he would have the right option. So he, he, was, a, he was a concern for defences. See, Milf can do that and pick the right runner, but he can also run the ball himself. So he's even more of a danger down that same side as KP. I, I think the greatest influence Milf will have will be unlocking KP. Yeah. Plus, he's a good, 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 good kicking game. So we're not completely reliant on um, on Clifford when he's back or Quinn. Yeah. Thor, your thoughts? Uh... I don't have a lot to add, I'm afraid. Oh, <laughs> and there's the other, there's the other thing. That, uh, don't forget the thing you bring to the team is disrespect for field goals. 
Like he's the uh, king well, of this right. field goal. So yeah, well, you know. I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he, he's had some. He's had a rough couple of years. I know he, he's been genius previously, and yeah, he's had flashes of genius in Brisbane. But uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, keen to see what he can do, and hopefully he's got to be a fire in his belly, especially this week. But. And it's funny because people go, you know, he's not he's not the old MILF. Yeah, but the old MILF was earned a million bucks. This MILF's earned 150K, you know, like, you don't have to be the old MILF. Ah, so he's going back to Canberra MILF. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I also think that he's the backup fullback now. I think if KP gets injured, he'll be fullback. Yeah. Bailey Hodgson's done, you reckon? Oh, I just think that Bailey needs a year in reserve grade. Yeah. Like, no, you know, he's not, he's, his body's struggling to play reserve grade against men, you know, like, he's not, he's not ready to play NRL yet. Yeah. I think uh, you've sort of kicked into one of the other questions we've got here at mmeek1987. How many disrespectful field goals will we now kick with MILF in the side? Uh, well, I hope... Unfortunately, we don't have many big leads, do we? <laughs> <laughs> is it a disrespectful field goal if you're down 50-0 and get beat 50-1? to one? Is, that, is that disrespectful to the game? Boys, I... uh, I'm all about it. I, I want to ask you this question almost reluctantly because I just I disagree with the premise from the get-go. We've got uh, Kevin Herbert at Godsmack442. He said, Hoy dropped, thumbs up, sounds good, smiley face. I, I think that's very harsh on Tex. I'm not sure I'm not sure where that sentiment has come from, particularly given how well Tex has played for the Knights this year. I mean, we, we, yeah, we've, Tex, we've, Tex has been really good, really, yeah. really good. Yeah. He hasn't been great, yeah. for the, and he doesn't have to be great. He's a backup. For a backup, yeah. he's been really good. Well, I'm you know, more disappointed in Tex being dropped than Buddy. You know, just like Crossland has had some pretty bad games. Uh, and there have been moments where I've thought to myself, well, Crossland looks more like the guy. There were a couple of weeks there where it seemed like he was calling for the ball and all that kind of thing, which was good to see. But... I suppose he's, you know, he's come up as a, as a halfback in, through the grades, hasn't he? But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, there, there's, there were times where, you know, you you were just pleading for a bit of just basic fundamentals football, and you could just see him just take his eyes off the ball, thinking about what he was going to do next, and just drop, drop, drop the ball at the most inopportune time. So. Um, yeah, uh, a bit disappointed for Tex. Um, I, I would have hoped he was still on the team, but I, I guess it makes sense when you know, we are still playing with Randall and we're not 100% sure Randall can handle a full 80-minute game at the moment in uh, first grade. So, <clears throat> so that's, know, that's it, really. That's it, really, isn't it, Thor? I mean, Phoenix is in the team because he covers more positions because his versatility not necessarily because he's playing better than Tex at the moment because yeah the yeah, position tech the, the positions Tex covers you don't want those guys to actually have to come off correct you know he covers halves and fullback and ideally none of those guys are coming off the field yeah, yeah. boys i want to so i i hope i hope we probably haven't answered you the way you might have intended, um, Kev, but, uh, yeah, we, we think it's probably a little bit harsh on text at the moment. Guys, I want to jump over to Instagram. I've got uh, – uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's handle. Mick, Mick Skihan. Mick Skihan. Thanks, Mick. With Edric moving to the Dolphins, what structure do you use on the left edge now? Uh, Bredo? 
we, we sort of discussed this a bit already. Sorry, mate, we? you cut out there. I, 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 missed, I missed that question. Sorry, mate. My apologies. My apologies. With Edric moving to the Dolphins, what structure do you use on the left edge? Oh, I don't. I honestly don't know. I don't know what that happens. Like, I honestly don't think it changes anything. Hmm. You know, I don't. I don't. Well, Edric won't that, play there anymore. Yeah, but I don't. You know, I don't think that that changes the game. Like any, I think that because Heimer was always going to be the left winger. Correct. You know, like I just think that Edric was Edric's there, and I love Eddie. I, I want him in the team because I think he's you know, really important for us this year. But the, the original plan was not Eddie playing. Eddie was just the last minute. Oh, you'd be fed up, he'll play. I think the original, you know, we're back to the original Dom on the, uh, Dom on the, sorry, Dom on the left and, and I'm on the right. Which was how they originally started, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure. So. It, it wasn't it, Dom. On the, uh, Dom was on the right with uh, Gags. Gaggo inside him for round correct. one. Yeah, correct. Were they? So, okay. The left edge, I think the left edge was always supposed to be Heimel and Bradman. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, and, 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 and that's, and they're the two combinations. You've got yeah. you know, the, young, the young center with the experienced winger and the young winger with the experienced center. Correct. That's, that, that's how to be going forward. Yeah. Um, we've also got Steel, Steel, uh, Steel City Performance. I'm having a shocker tonight. Steel City Performance. Uh, he's backing the Knights 13 plus with the lineup that's been that's been named today. And look, you know, the, the, after the first two weeks, that is the result you would expect from the team that was named today. Like, you know, like, you know what I mean. So you sort of, but because of all of the upheaval in the team over the last seven weeks, you, you don't know who what to really expect. But the, the the performance of the first well, three weeks of this team with the team name today that should be a thirteen plus win at home against any opposition other than the Storm and the Panthers, which is what we expected this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know that's and that's why you know like I, I think we'll win this week. Like I think that we've named it's not our best team. We've named a team that should be winning a home game. Like Brisbane, yeah, Brisbane, you know, to me, they've been, they've, been, they've been really good, don't get me wrong, but they're not in the top five or six teams. They're in that next nope. bunch where we are. Yep. And the ladder literally says that. They're coming seventh, and they're coming seventh for a reason. I mean, we're coming 14th for a reason. And, they, <laughs> so, and they're, coming seventh, they're coming seventh after a four-game win streak. Yeah. So they've, they've sort of, they've had their own issues to contend with. And, I mean, they've named a good side this world. You know, the funny thing about this Broncos team at the moment is that I look at their players and I look at who they've got running out for them. And I, I like this team. Like, you know, Tamari Martin is still an unknown quantity. We don't know how he's going to hold up over the, the course of a season. But Corey Oates, yep, been there, done that. Katoni Staggs, yep, been there, done that. Herbie Farnworth is probably one of the form centres at the moment. Uh, Selwyn Cobbo seems to be coming into form. I mean, the, the the weak link in that back line is Tyson Campbell. If we can sort of, you know, get into, get into him and get him to do something dumb, you never know how that's going to put more pressure on Adam Reynolds that all of a sudden he's like... I need some support. I can't do it all. So, um, but, you know, it's really in the forwards where we should have their number and it should allow a, a, a fitter back line to, to click, to, to get... Um, we, should, we should be able to murder them on the edges. Yes. Their, their edge defence is absolute hot garbage. We should, you know, like we accept Payne Haas, you have to be Payne Haas in the middle. Mm. And we, you know, and we nullify is not the right word, but if, as long as we don't let him dominate the game, and even games he's dominated, I've seen him dominate and then lose by 30. 
because their edges are so bad. <laughs> so, you know, and that's the thing. We, we can just control Reynolds and not let him, you know, set up three or four tries. I think we can score enough points to beat him. Thor? Uh, well, yeah, I'd also like to just see more of the Safidi twins, yeah, keep up some of that energy from last week. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if it's, you know, treat them mean, don't let them play PlayStation or whatever they like to do during the week. <laughs> So they're just firing on Thursday. But, uh, Adam, Adam O'Brien has said to the Sophides, it, it's 13 plus or there's no PlayStation for another week. If you win, I'll give you one solid hour on Friday night after you've <laughs> recovered. But if not, back to the training paddock. What do, you, do, you reckon do you reckon the FIFA players, Madden, what do you reckon their the go-to game is? Oh, something like Tekken. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, nice. If the it Millennials is FIFA or something, maybe you'll say, you know what, if one of you scores a try, you get to be player one all week. <laughs> <laughs> or he says, Whoever, if you, we win by 13 plus, you get to be Liverpool, if not, you get to be Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, dark, it was a dark yeah, game. Yeah. You, you get to be EPL teams and you have to play as A-League teams. <laughs> I um I had one team get up for me over. I, th- I think I had about half a dozen playing over the weekend, and the Knights amazingly were the only ones who managed to jag. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Fredo, no, you dark times, my friend. Fredo, you had a pretty good weekend. Knights kicked it off on Friday, and your Liverpool are halfway to the quadruple. Yeah, and we got you know we got the Miracle Man City drawing, so it keeps us in the title run. We just need them to draw in the last game, so we, you know, we're not we're not certainly not a huge chance of getting the the league, but we're back in that. Um, as long as we beat Southampton in the morning, which I'll be up at nice and early quarter to five for. Um, <laughs> now for but no, I, I tell you what, I tell you one thing, but the Liverpool thing has been a great distraction for the Knights because oh, I've been so immersed in Liverpool and Liverpool content. Like pods and that, the Knights hasn't drive, driven me as bad, as bad as they normally would. Yeah, can you oh, imagine? Mate, I'm with you, but my NHL team just got knocked out the other day, so nice. yeah, oh, so you're back on the Knights. I was going to mention for the for those who probably don't um, know my cousin very well, he is actually a mad hockey fan. Um, in a lot of ways, to to rival the the sort of uh, the Knights passion that he has, and yeah, we were we were following um, the Minnesota Wild. Did they get knocked out in six games, or did they get to yeah. a seventh game? No, I got knocked out in six. Yeah. yeah, so and they've been having but the Leafs got knocked out, so that's a bonus for you, mate. Yeah, well, uh, the Leafs did what the Leafs do. Yeah, exactly right. Blew a, blew a series lead. That's what they do. You, you told me they would. You said to me, "Oh, in front in a series is way worse than being behind." Yeah, they, they can't handle it. They only ever win games when they're down in the series. Anyway. Right, I thought that you are you are a special guest host with us um, this week. So as we like to do, so that we can take no responsibilities for the outcome. Actually, let, sorry, I just want to have a quick. How did we go? Oh, anyway, can, we'll get... can I talk about how well on Supercatch this week? Yes, please do go. Got a got a top thousand score overall. Oh, really? won, won all eight of my leagues. Had an outstanding had an outstanding week. Jumped about five thousand places up into the top two thousand. Um, so... Yeah. So had a what, great week. So tell me, what, what did you score? Because I scored eleven eighty something, I think. 
And so what's considered a good score this year? Just to oh, give That's me. not good. There's been rounds this year where 1,400 is a reasonable score. But yep. because it was wet, obviously the scoring was right down. Yep. But I had I was lucky to have, you know, I, I have Cody Walker who did well. I had Cleary Captain who, you know, was one of the highest scores of the round. Yep. I had you know, some outside backs that scored a few tries. So, yeah, I am. Um, I had a really, really good week. Domi Cook had a good week in my hooker. And Harry Green, who I don't have, normally cost me a bit, but he didn't have a great week because Melbourne, Melbourne weren't great. So, yeah, no, it was a good week. But, geez, there's some good teams in that Bay 53 comps. Yeah. I, um, I was having a bit of a scroll through on the plane on the plane ride home, just some of the teams that guys have got. Wow, there's some really, really good teams in there. Right? It's got to be a really good final series. We might need to uh, we might need to have a bit of a proper review. Go through some. So I'm going to do that in bye week. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah we might yeah. Um, we might uh, see if we can um, you know do go a little bit more in depth in that. But uh, good on you, Bretto, for flying the Bay Fifty Three flag. Hopefully, you can win both of the leagues, and we don't have to give away any jerseys to anyone. Okay, <laughs> you mean giving them to me is what you mean. You are listening to the Bay Fifty Three podcast. Thor, um, uh, we like to get our, our guest hosts to do our tips so that we can bear absolutely no responsibility for um, them if they go south. So uh, get your get your tipping shoes on, mate. We'll um, we'll go through the games. Um, Knights and the Broncos. Newcastle. Yeah, that's uh, we seem to get stuck with that every week. Uh, the <laughs> Tigers. Idea. The Tigers are hosting the Bulldogs. Oh, just quickly, sorry, boys. What's your take on Trent Barrett? We we ended another coach's career uh, on Friday. Trent Barrett um, apparently losing to the Knights was just a loss you can't handle, and he decided to resign. Thor, I'll get your thoughts on that one. Uh, I never, I've never really thought much of him as an NRL coach. And he didn't resign, did he? No, nah, Gus bulleted him. Yeah, yeah. It's like resign or else, you know. We're going to hit you with a bus. <laughs> but that's the thing. It really annoys me with Gus, but he never fires coaches. They're, they're tired or they're yeah, I, you know, like, fuck off, mate. I was just going to say, this, like, I'm surprised he didn't come out and say, like, or he was like, oh, I, I can't say Baz said he looked tired. I've always used that one. So I'll just say, oh, he looked uh, he looked distracted. So, but yeah, it's. Um, he literally said two weeks ago that Trent Barrett would still be there after he left. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Anyway, well, maybe, maybe we don't know. Maybe it's just not been said yet. Maybe Gus has also left this weekend. It's disappointing, Mark, because the dogs losing is great for having the worst three year record in the comp. Well, we'll uh, we'll, we'll keep our powder dry on that one. Uh, where, where, are we, where are we? Where oh, are we? mate, is there, are we are we still in it? That's the question. Are we still in we, the shot. We don't want it. We don't want it. Let's let's give that one a few more rounds before we give <laughs> that one too much oxygen. I say. Um, okay, Thor. This and this is a dollar ninety across the, both teams. Tigers or the Bulldogs? Who have you got? Tigers. Wait, no, they're missing like a thousand backs, aren't they? Yeah. They picked up Brett Naden today. Brett Naden's now playing for them this week against the Bulldogs. Um, where are they playing? Uh, it's, a, it's a Tigers home game. It's Leichhardt. Leichhardt? All right, I'll pick Tigers. Okay. Eels are hosting the Sea Eagles. Eels. Eels up inside you. Yeah, they should get that one done. Uh, Dragons hosting the Warriors. Is that Wollongong or Cogra? You keep asking me these questions, brother, <laughs> that I can't give you the answer to. I think it's probably Cogra because our reserve guy played Cogra on Sunday afternoon, so it's probably Cogra. <laughs> oh, okay. Just bear with me for two more seconds, gentlemen. I have the information. Yeah, Cogra. Yeah, you are yeah. correct. 
I'm going to pick Warriors. Ooh, hello. You're going to have to explain that one to me. Ah, just I like Sean Johnson. For fun. Yeah. Brownie, give it to the Dragons is always fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, this is a much more intriguing game than it was a week ago. The Cowboys are hosting the Storm up at um, Townsville. Yeah. And uh, a little so tidbit, they're expecting Jerome Hughes to play. Oh, he's coming back, is he? Mm. He's not 100% going to play, but they're expecting him to play. Ah, uh, well, I'm going off the... I'm going off the back of uh thing he wasn't playing, so let's go cows. Really? Margin on that one? You've got to pick a margin as well. Oh, really? Oh, all right. Um, Your enthusiasm is overwhelming. Yeah, well, <laughs> you didn't warn me about that, did you? No, I didn't. I, I was preparing to pick the margin on the Knights-Broncos game. but um, The stock's right. the margin I give you is at eight. You sort of work it out from there. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, I'm going to say four. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a big win if it's going to be a win. Um, the Roosters are hosting the Panthers, which is a – that's an interesting Saturday night game. Uh, well, I'm going to say Penrith because they were so good against Melbourne mm. the other night. And, I mean, the Roosters – Handled Parramatta, but Parramatta is such an them in the middle. team this year. Penrith will rip them apart in the middle. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope so. Um, Rabbitohs hosting the Faders. Um, yeah, Rabbits. See, I still think the Rabbitohs, I think the Raiders will be cooked after Sunday's game. Yeah, um, yeah. Good God damn it, that was hot. Oh yeah, we were, so this is that's what we were talking about earlier before you joined, mate. That is some of the hottest conditions I've ever seen rugby league in. Yeah, it, it was it was well, on Saturday. We were praying for a bit of sun, and then Sunday, like, gee, I wish it was raining again. <laughs> Thor, this is your lucky last one of that. Now I, I'm almost tempted to use a veto on you, depending on what you pick. But okay. uh, Titans and the Sharks. Um, and it's at the Gold Coast. At the Gold Coast. Mm. Uh, oh, I'm going to pick Sharks, but it's well. But then they played in all that heat as well. Correct. Yeah. Exactly no, look, what we were saying earlier. Yeah, because we were uh, we were sort of saying they're coming off that eleven man. Um, sort of, you know, game against the Warriors. They looked, they looked empty on Sunday and playing in that heat, and then going back and playing in more heat next week. But no, for you always track back your first instinct. We've locked in the Sharks. Um, that's so. For anyone listening, that's uh, that's eight from eight as far as I'm concerned. What if it's zero from eight? Classic. <laughs> <Got him. laughs> That would be uh, that would be such. A I will nice... win because I'm going to go back the other eight teams. On the <laughs> Hedge your bets. Put ten dollars on all the others. Boys, we um, we might wrap it up there. Thor, we've actually been going for a couple of hours now, but we knew this was going to be a big episode. You know, we had lots of magic round to cover. We had lots of uh, nights talk to talk about. Um, and you are one of my favourite cousins, so thank you so much for um, jumping on the uh, on the Skype with us to um, to record tonight. Um, yeah, Bretto, 
Any any final tips, thoughts, or observations before we uh, before we close things off for for another week? No, I just want to say to Knights fans, don't melt down with how the milf goes this week. We just want to see solid, and we people need to remember he's a hundred fifty thousand dollar player for us. He's not a million dollar player, mm. so when he's not the old milf, don't go. Well, he's, he's spent. That's not what we need from him. Thor, your um, your last comment before we um, bid everyone adieu. Uh, consent is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a message that we sent out loud, proudly, and very clearly to um, particular uh, particular patrons at the um, at the at, at Magic Ground. Oh, uh, uh, a particular Dragons player. <laughs> We're definitely getting taken off the air. Um, just before we do go, I do as always want to thank uh, A-plus Contracting and Poly Welding. Uh, as always, they do allow us to continue to do this show, but I do want to give another shout out to them. Thank you so much for uh, contributing a ticket to the weekend. Who We were able to pass on to, um, uh, I can't remember his handle. Paul Mac. Paul Mac. Yeah, Paul Mack. And, uh, you know, he, he'd come along with his daughter. He'd only managed to get one day. And so uh, we had a great time with him on Friday night. The ticket was well utilised. And, um, yeah, just uh, we do have a great sponsor. We're always thankful that, uh, for everything that he does, uh, for everything that uh, A-plus do provide to us. Gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, chatting about everything Rugby League tonight. And um, Thor, I hope you've had a good time because we do hope we can get you on again, but uh, hopefully for a full episode. And um, Grand yeah. final edition, baby. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll, we'll talk about Oh, my thing. God. I'll bring the goat. <laughs> <laughs> Just quickly before, like, I know this. How are you feeling about your goat bet, mate? I think you've only got five more seasons of that. In order, yeah. Um, yeah, where are you? How are you feeling going into the the last half of bet? I'm not feeling so flash on it this season, but next year's our year for sure. So I, I've got to find some. Uh, I've got to find some some land to put my goat up in. I'll check with Strata. Should be all right down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for uh, thanks for having a chat with us tonight, and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk with everybody after round eleven. Thanks everybody. No thanks for having me. Thanks guys. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.